every sort. We'll have a mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Thank you for loving me. Glenn. Thank you for being there. Please. Thank you for loving me. Everyone's thanking. The whole Glenn. world's thanking you. Thanking us for thanking you. All right, long music coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for the dawn of America live? <laughs> No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. And of course, here tonight, really no comparison. This is the Thanksgiving tradition unlike any other. Right now, I hope we are reaching out to thousands of people driving across America on the way to Grandma's house. Maybe actually it's Wednesday evening and they're cooking pies in the kitchen and they're listening to us right now because it is time for the holiday tradition that is Rucksgiving. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been just insatiable with your desire for Rucksgiving this year. I guess, of course, with my insane schedule and my weird hiatuses this year, I guess there was some fear out in the BOA nation that there wasn't going to be a Rucksgiving this year. Never fear, my friends. Of course there's going to be a Rucksgiving, and it's happening right this very minute. Welcome back to the show, Bruce Rux. Thank you for joining me once again on the holiday special here for Thanksgiving. I'm telling you, man, these people, they love their Rucksgiving. <laughs> it's very nice to be here, and, and thank you, Tim. It's really quite strange. I was saying to you uh, before... <laughs> Before we got on the show, uh, it's just every time I posted anything on Facebook in the last, like, month, I could be like, oh, it's a lovely day today. I'm like, yes, but is there going to be a Rucksgiving? Uh, and it was just, <laughs> it was really insane every time. So, you know, the next day I would say something else, and there would be some other person would be like, is it going to be a Rucksgiving or not? And it's like, Jesus, man, these people. So, yes, there is a Rucksgiving, and it's, it's underway right now. And as I said, it's pretty cool because people really do, it's it's. Weird, we've created this tradition, but they do listen to this, you know, on the way to their relatives or, or cooking a meal or uh, maybe waiting for somebody else to finish cooking the meal. They're listening to it while they play video games or something like that. So uh, it, it makes me very happy, actually, yeah, yeah, so much, that there are people that do enjoy that. Yeah, it's really cool. And someone said earlier, uh, you know, when I announced it officially that we were going to do the show, it was like, someone's like, my, my holidays can't really kick off until Rucksgiving and it was like, Jesus, dude, how do you think I feel? How do you, how do you think I feel? Like, my holidays can't. If anything ever happens to you and Stan Friedman, who is my 
who's my uh, Christmas Hanukkah holiday special guy. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. My holidays are going to be a disaster if that happens. So I need you guys. Is Sam still around? Of course he's still around. He's still around, causing trouble, making a ruckus, spreading the word about UFOs. So I'll be damned. The rumors of his death were greatly exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who you're. T- <laughs> I don't know who you're getting this information from, but yeah, yeah. No, he's doing great. So and for the people, so you don't bug me on Facebook for the next month. Yes, uh, pr- presumably there will be a holiday special. I got to give Stan a call uh, after Thanksgiving, but yeah, we'll be in touch with him and get that uh, rolling and underway for December. But tonight. It's all about Ruck's giving, and I've got a ton of questions for you, but as we, this is so thrown together in a way, folks, because Bruce and I literally scheduled this episode less than 24 hours ago, so so we, we chatted quite a bit last night. So I guess before we get into the topic that we're, that you know, that we all, you have to talk about right now, uh, which I think everyone can figure out, what, what's been going on with you? How, how have you been in the last year since last year's Ruck's giving um, you know, what's what's going on in the world of rocks? Well, good. I can say that. Uh, financially, I've never really been in great shape in the last few years. I'm in much better shape than I have been for a while. Uh, I don't have regular employment. I live on rent, and my rent uh, actually does not pay my expenses. So, you know, Obamacare is like the only thing I've got for health insurance, uh, which, you know, with what's coming down the pike, I'm a little worried about that. Yeah, um, but I, I'm okay. I mean, I'm doing all right. Uh, I've got a decent safety cushion from an inheritance, and I do have some rent that keeps me from losing as much money as I was losing. So I do have a safety cushion while I figure out what the hell I'm going to do when I grow up. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you're kind of like uh, you're. It's a losing proposition at the moment, so it can't it can't necessarily continue. So you got to figure something out. But you're all right yeah, for the exactly. Yeah, I've been there. Well, I wish you well, dude. I hope it works out. Look, at you work in security. You're going to do great in Trump's America. <laughs> yeah, you may have a point there, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, as I said, we, we it, it's actually probably perfect for the Thanksgiving special in a way because that's like everybody's going to have to fucking talk about this. There's going to every whether they want to or not. You know, they're going to be talking about the selection. The last time the listeners heard from me was a couple of weeks ago. I was. Uh, heading towards being three sheets to the wind as the election unfolded and pretty much, uh, you know, the quote-unquote upset of the century happened and Donald Trump uh, won the election. So I kind of, we left in a sense of a cliffhanger where it was like, I'm pretty sure this isn't going the right way, guys. Have a good night. And so so now I'm back and uh, I've gone through all the various stages. So I think I can handle uh, discussing all of this now. And The stages of death are complete. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In I, advance, I have to yeah. say this. In advance, I want to apologize to any listeners who I may inadvertently offend. <laughs> you, are not, yes. you are not only entitled to your opinions, you are entitled to your secret vote. It is one of the most sacred things that we have in our democracy. Uh, if I say anything that you happen to disagree with, it is one guy's opinion. Just know this. Uh, I am not the enemy. <laughs> I say this to Republicans as well as Democrats. I'm a registered Democrat. I'm not the enemy. I do respect you. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Please do not take anything that I say personally, and I will be slamming my own party as well as I slam the Republican Party. So just know that in advance, and I feel for every single one of you because this will probably be the topic of conversation at the dinner table, and I I dread 
the fights that are going to pop up because of it. Oh, God, yeah. I can't wait to see the news. I bet somebody gets yeah. shot or stabbed or, you know, sta- beaten with a gravy bowl. That's, that's right. I'll, I'll put my money on beaten with a gravy bowl, actually, yeah. So, right. Um, I, just, I just wanted to make all that clear in advance. I do respect you. You're, you're okay. We're all Americans here. Let's just all start with that. We are all Americans here. Well, yeah. actually, there's and a lot of listeners from around the world listening, but they're, they, they, they count. They're not celebrating Thanksgiving with us, but they're celebrating Rucksgiving. So, yeah, I got a couple. It's weird. Uh, yeah, a guy from Scotland and someone from uh, – so we'll get to it when we do the questions. But, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I welcome you, and I'm very glad that you were listening. <laughs> uh, this is the one time of year that anyone knows who I am and that I actually have any kind of presence, and I do appreciate your being there. Well, the yes, and and, and everything uh, Bruce said goes ditto for me. That's the thing where it's like we're we're not we're going to try not to do this more than like you know twenty minutes to a half an hour. So if you're like someone who can't deal with this shit, and I don't blame you, you know, skip to like a half hour into the show. We'll be into other stuff. But it's like you got to talk about this. It's it's, it's it, like you said, it's going to be everywhere uh, in a couple of days for the holidays and shit. And I say it will I, not be pleasant. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> And I totally echo what you're saying, you know, folks. Don't. That's the thing. As a as, as like an outlet like this, it's like, oh, gee, you can't help but you know, you can't help but piss somebody off in this whole mess. So it's like, you know, folks, this is please, just our please. opinions, and we're trying to figure this whole thing out. So if you enjoy think we're like families. wrong and we're idiots, that's fine. But don't, you know, don't get en- all pissed. Enjoy off. your families. Enjoy your friends. <laughs> please have a good time together. You know, just please. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, man, I don't know. It's just, I, well, I was joking to last night when we were talking about this, too, where it's like, you know, we should get, I want to get that, that's important that you said that, and I think it's, uh, I think you almost, we, we almost have to preface this as we talk about the the infamous Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> you know, it, they had like a joke like this on the show Silicon Valley. I don't know if you watched that show, Bruce, um, on HBO. No, but, but I might start watching it now that it's been mentioned. Yeah, they... The guys were talking about their boss, who's like their best friend, and they were really pissed at him. And everything started out where they're like, "Richard's great," but and the guy's like, "You know, we we have to stop just prefacing everything with that. Let's just say Rigby, you know, that way we know. Yes, Richard's a great guy, but here's why he's an asshole. So that's kind of what we're, I guess, should get across here. It's like, yes, everybody. I I think I I mean Bruce can chime in if he disagrees with me. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Uh, we, I find Donald Trump to be just a boorish awful human being with, uh, like, terrible opinions about various groups of people that are just shocking and awful and, and terrible. So, you know... It we're, is we're, extremely easy to understand why people don't like Donald Trump. Exactly. We, so, we need to get that right off the bat. We all know that. We right, know. right. So we're going to, you know, so we're going to rigby this, folks. We're just going to see, you know, Trump, obviously Trump is an offensive asshole. Now let's just move it. He, but, but as Bruce stressed la- the other night when I talked to him, What's done is done. He's been elected now. Let's look at the landscape of things here and try and figure out what the what the hell's going on and you know how the hell it all came to this. You know, so and what good might come out of it and what good might come out of it because we're pretty much we're stuck with the guy. So maybe something good can come out of it. We can do postmortems. We can look to the future. We don't know what's going to happen yet. For, I know some people who are literally terrified. Of what is happening. Most of the people I know are Democrats, and some of them, not all of them, some of them are just terrified. Others have taken it in stride, and it's just fine. When everyone said, this is stunning, that was amazing to me, because no, I was not stunned. I was surprised, but I wasn't stunned. I was stunned when W got off it. 
that will stun me for the rest of my life. I've never quite been able to wrap my head around that one. Uh, I was surprised that Trump got in only because I didn't think the Electoral College would go for him. I figured the shoe-in was for Hillary, the Electoral College would go for her, and that was that. Uh, but I did very strongly suspect that Trump had a great deal more support than the mainstream media was putting out. Uh, just reading between the lines and the way the Democrats were handling everything, they were just trying to shovel any news of Trump's gains under the carpet while getting up in front of everyone and saying, pay no attention to the orange man behind the curtain. We are the future. We know what is going to take place. They were just denying it and you know, telling everyone, no, you don't pay attention to this. We are the winners. And that's why they lost. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of reasons why they lost. They just fucked it up from the word go. You know, they I, did fuck it up from the word go. I have to agree with you. I mean, you you and I were both Bernie fans, even though Bernie fucked me on my bumper stickers. Uh, you know, Ber- I, I still support Bernie, for, despite his foible of not mailing me my bumper stickers. So, uh, Just from my own personal experience, I mean, this is the Democrats I know. I know a lot of Democrats, and I know quite a few Republicans. And we do sit down to dinner together and, and have chats, and we're fine, you know, which is why I'm trying to stress to everyone, please, Liam, let's just remember who we are. Yeah, we're your buddies. Differently. Right. We're not the enemy. <laughs> the Republicans are not the enemy, and the Democrats are not the enemy. We've all got to get together and be calm and cool and talk. And that's something I've always prided the Democratic Party on, is that ordinarily, up until this election, it has always been my experience that the Democrats tend to stay pretty calm, pretty cool, and reach across the table and try and come up with effective compromises and all that type of thing. Uh, it's not always the case. And with this election, it definitely was not the case. <laughs> I've, I've seen some reactions that were just kind of terrifying, really. Um, we need to stay calm. We do not know yet what this guy is going to do. We do have a Republican now in office with a Republican Congress. From my own personal experience, I've never seen anything good, good come from that. That doesn't mean that some good things couldn't come out from that. Right. And we do need to be thinking about that. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, everyone's... I, you know, it's it's just fucked up because it's like the whole – it cuts across so many spectrums in a way where it's like people like you and I who are saying, you know, let's just wait and see. Let's let's watch it play out. Let's let it play out and see what – you know, the people who are like, yeah, you're an asshole. What do you mean let it play out? It's like what other option do we have, dude? You know, that's my look, attitude. Look, man, a year from now, we'll have plenty to bitch about <laughs> because at that <laughs> point, you will have done something. And right. then we'll know, and then we can talk about it. And so far, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. None of us knows what's going to happen yet. We just have to wait and see. Right, right. And the guy seems like he's so woefully in over his head that he's going to, like, they're already saying that there's all kinds of conflicts of interest with his businesses and shit. So, I mean, I feel like, I think you you think you mentioned this the other night. It's like, I don't, and I said this way back in May, folks. I told you this, that there's going to be a turnover on whoever won the presidency. So I, I think he's not even going to make it through, like, a year. I think he's going to fuck something up, like, you know, where he's going to cut a deal, a trade deal that'll somehow help out his casinos and they'll figure it out and he'll have to fucking resign. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that, that happens to all the presidents. They all do that. Uh, yeah, but they'll, but be, they'll be especially after him this time. You know what I mean? Because so, he has all oh, yeah. So he's already. They're already saying that there's all these conflicts of interest and shit and it's like, uh, you know, they're looking to, I think they're just going to look to try and get rid of him uh, if he becomes a problem. I think that's the gist of it. Right now he's rewarding all his cronies and shit, so they're not going to cause any trouble for him yet. Every president does that. Yeah. They all do. Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. They all reward their business buddies. 
uh, we're, we're largely a mercantile protectionist state. You know, we, uh, whichever administration is in power, reward the people that supported them. Well, and yeah, it, and it's human nature, too, in a sense, you know what I yeah. mean? I get a job, I help nature. out friends of mine. It's like that, you know, you, you help out, who else are you going to trust to get the, you know, to do a good job? People you trust yeah. and you know, so it's human and nature. And it crosses party lines. Not to mention the conflict of interest thing. It's like, look, in both Republican and Democratic administrations, we've seen a tremendous privatization of a lot of government functions. Uh, and that privatization takes into the business world, not into the government world. We have seen a lot of that over the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm not terrified, but, uh, you know... I'll be keeping an eye on it. That's all. That's all you can really do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's like I, I hope people aren't like terrified, you know. And if you're if you're like a Muslim or or someone who's, or or someone who's Mexican or you know, all these other groups and stuff, it's like I can understand why you might be terrified. And my heart goes out to you, and I'll speak out if you get oppressed. But there's nothing. Yeah, I'm I'm in exactly the same camp there. That's not a good idea. Not the sad fact is that since 9-11, the world changed with 9-11. We have had what amounts to concentration camps for all practical intents and purposes. Now, mind you, once Obama went in, that did not change. We still have those. And this is something that everyone has to remember. It's not like everything changed under a Democratic administration. Where are these the concentration camps? Well, you know, like Guantanamo. Oh, yeah, uh, I guess that's true. I guess, how big is it? We have torture camps. We've had torture camps around the world. These things are still in operation. It's not like the, the Democrats just waved a magic wand and got rid of them. Obama was going to get rid of Guantanamo. He stated he was going to do so. He never did. Guantanamo is still open and running. Yeah. So, exactly. Um, I think that, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I, 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 I think the Democrats blew it. They should have supported Bernie more, and uh, they anointed Hillary. You, you made an interesting point because I kind of dismissed it, but since it came from you, I thought it was interesting that you thought that she – that Hillary is not in good health, so maybe, you know, when the when the Comey thing happened, I, you know, it's it, I guess let's delve into the sort of conspiracy angle of this because it's like the the Trump thing. It, it looks like some kind of victory over the globalists, which is like the complete antithesis of what conspiracy theorists sort of uh, put forward and, all the time. You know, it's like oh, they'll never the let Trump win because the system's going to keep him out. And he, he and the victory over the neocons. But we don't know that that is the case yet. It could be and it could not be. We don't know. There's something that everyone has to bear in mind. It doesn't matter what a president says before he takes office. He is going to be briefed by the outgoing president before he takes that oath of office and takes the office. And what's going to happen in that briefing, going to sit him down and say, look, I know you want to do, or you have stated that you want to do A, B, C, D, E things. This is why you can't. I was in the same boat. Every president before us has been in the same boat. There are certain things you can do, and there are certain things you just can't. And he lays out the practical realities. And certainly, by the time he has sat down for his first briefing with the Joint Chiefs... All right, are you there? Yeah. All here. right, we're back on the air now. So, sorry back about that, on. folks. That was weird. Uh, folks in the chat room, we need you to keep an eye on things. So, if we lose uh, audio again, let us know. Um, so... Yeah, last thing I – oh, yeah, so we were talking about where we left off uh, in case – I don't know exactly where it cut out, but uh, the, the the idea is uber secrets. What do you think the president – what do you think Obama told Trump when they first met? Uh, you know, anything well, really good? 
I am reasonably certain that he is going to prep him on international situations in general and what the United States is currently doing. Uh, he'll prep him on all that stuff. He'll give him a talk on why certain things are not doable, whether he wants to do them or not. I don't believe he will disclose everything about UFOs at that meeting, but I do believe he will prep him for the disclosure of UFOs about that meeting, which he will get with his first meeting with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. That's what I believe. It is impossible to keep UFOs secret from the president. It is impossible. This is a guy who meets with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, he has the intelligence services. Uh, there is regular sabotage that takes place by UFOs on our nuclear bases. You cannot keep that secret from the president. They are going to have to brief him on that. So, yes, he's going to be made aware of a whole lot of things that he was yeah. not aware of before he took office. Yeah, it would be interesting. You wish you could be a fly on the wall in that scene so you could figure out because uh, I feel it's like human nature like I mean I know Trump doesn't seem like the most inquisitive person but uh, I feel like that would be like if you you know if you become and president and you're meeting stupid. the president it's like that would probably be like obviously I'm biased but that would be like the first question I have I'd be like alright dude give me the deals on give me the details on UFOs let's let's have it I, I am certain he is not stupid yeah uh, this is a guy who is an international businessman. He is a multi-billionaire. You don't get that way by being stupid. So well, he's, he's I don't know. He idea. seems, uh, I guess he's superficially stupid, I guess, to put it that way. He's cra- he seems crafty, but I don't know. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. He's, he doesn't strike me as particularly bright, let's put it that way, but I may be wrong. Something else we, there is something else that has to be remembered by everybody. The president does not run the country. He is one guy who helps run the country, and he does try to help. He, he helps establish policies. There's certain things he wants to get done. He does have intelligence services and uh, the military at his disposal, but he does not do this stuff alone. So when you're worried about Trump, you also need to look at the fact we've got a Republican Congress backing him. Uh, but Trump is not a typical Republican. The party was not behind him for good reasons. He is not fully globalist. He's not really globalist, and he's, he's definitely not in the same camp with the neocons. Absolutely right. not. However, his vice president is a neocon. Uh, if anything happens to him, we've got the neocons firmly back in power. And Jim Maher is suggesting that this might be a Trojan horse to try and you know, do something to Trump and get the neocons firmly entrenched. Uh, that's a possibility. I mean, it's really hard to say. We don't know what's taking place. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that you and I are never going to be privy to. Uh, we just don't know. We can only speculate. And Trump is not going to be running the country by himself. He is going to have to rely on other people. He does have to rely on Congress, which is probably going to rubber, rubber stamp a whole lot of what he wants, yeah. uh, but, but also not everything that he wants. And that, we're just going to have to wait and see. And as far as the military goes, the Joint Chiefs, uh, the intelligence services, we're just going to have to wait and see there, too. Yeah. You know. Exactly. I have, to, I have to admit, I'm very curious. My take on all of this stuff, I was Mr. Spock. I was absolutely the coolest and most placid person when I got the news. Literally, I raised an eyebrow and I said, interesting, because I had not expected that. And ever since, I've just been really calm and sitting back and saying, well, I really can't wait to see what happens. Uh, I'm very, very curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it would have been, it was a change election in a sense. So uh, certainly there's going to be a lot of change. We'll see what that change looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So we've satisfied the political talk here. So uh, I think that was I think that was pretty much all we really 
all I really wanted to say, you know. I'm disappointed in how it shook out, but what's done is done, and now it's time to uh, watch the show happen. Yeah. And see, Sit see. back on the sidelines, have popcorn, keep your eyes and ears open. We'll have plenty more to talk about next year after he's actually done something. Exactly. <laughs> then exactly. we can talk. Then we can actually speak with, you know, far more knowledge. Exactly. All right, so let's do some Rux questions from the listeners because they are insatiable, as I said. Uh, David McIntyre, he starts out, um, he wants to know if during your private investigations if you came across a relation of the colors red, white, and black. Uh, He knows you've discussed this during the Architects interview some years back, so it would be nice to see if there's some kind of connection. He knows of the Jolly Ranger being black and white and the Jolly Rogue uh, being red, but he has never found any other deeper relation between this and, say, the colors in relation to the whole Atlantis mystery. Uh, he recently read a book about a women's travels in Tibet, and the same three colors are integral to Tibetans. So he sees a connection to the Nazi movement in Germany, as they did several expeditions to Tibet back in the 1930s. He's just wondering if there's a deep belief system that has permeated down through the time. So the colors red, white, and black. And he says, say hi to Bruce from Glasgow, Scotland, and have a peaceful holiday season. I put a little Australian accent on that at the end. I don't know why. But, yeah, that, that, that's David McIntyre in Scotland. What a, what a complex and, and uh, fantastic question for Rux giving. Thank you, David. That is, that is an excellent question. My best to all of you in Scotland. Um, I have so much to say on that, I don't know where to start. Yes, there's a very deep connection. It goes all the way back to antiquity. You'll find that red, white, and black are the central colors in pretty much every religion around the world. Uh, you notice that that is in Tibet. They are the three central colors. With the three central colors of Egypt, uh, you will find them throughout the um, Indo-European world, and you find them in Asia as well. Now, they're a legacy of the Indo-Europeans, I'm pretty sure. Now, in any event, yes, uh, red, white, and black have deep, deep religious significance, and I do believe that that significance ultimately ties into the gods and who we would call aliens or people from not from this planet. Uh, I believe those people not from this planet are just like us. We are their descendants. Uh, but, yeah, I do believe that there's a connection there. When it comes to the Nazi connection, you are absolutely correct. Uh, they were already ahead of that uh, with the Thule Society, the mystical society, uh, when they came up with the, the Nazi regalia. They came up with the swastika and their flag. It is red, white, and black. And the swastika is not only an Indian symbol, I mean East Indian symbol, but you find it all over the world. It is everywhere. I believe that is also a legacy of the Indo-Europeans and that they are far more widely traveled than uh, the uh, the scholastic community admits to. And that's the proof of it. Those swastikas are everywhere, along with footprints, spirals, uh, various other symbols that cross the Atlantic all the way back to antiquity. The Nazis knew about that and they, were, they had very deep inroads into Tibet. Now, the Germans made inroads into Tibet before any other Western civilization, and the Tibetans loved them. I remember seeing a movie. I want to talk about comic book Nazis. Now, this movie started with the Nazis doing what Nazis always do in movies, which is machine gunning everyone who doesn't want to give them the secret thing that they want. But they meet the Tibetan monks, and they say, fuck you, you will give us, you will give us what we want, or we will kill you. And they machine gun everyone to death, and then they get kung fu out of there. That never happened, I promise you. (laughs) The Tibetans loved the Germans. They loved the Nazis. They were crazy about the Nazis. They gave the Nazis their uh, complete 108 volume of the Kongshur, their sacred texts, 
with their blessing. There was no gunpoint involved here. Uh, Carl Haushofer, who was considered kind of the the Amanon's grease behind the Nazi party, although he had some deep misgivings about Hitler. Uh, his personal protege uh, was the deputy Führer who defected to um, the Allies during the war, uh, Rudolf Hess. There was a whole intelligence story behind that, which is kind of lengthy. Uh, but in any event, <clears throat> Karl Haushofer was his per- personal mentor, and he was largely, by proxy, a mentor to Hitler as well. He and Hitler had uh, he had some misgivings with Hitler down the line, uh, but he did survive any of the purges and any of that stuff. Uh, when the Nazis went into Tibet, Karl Haushofer had been there ahead of them. He was actually a bone priest. I mean, he was so accepted by the Tibetans that he was one of their priests. Wow. And he was not the only one. There were several Nazis there. And I'm just telling you, the Tibetans and the Nazis were as close as you could get. So the next time you look at the the supposedly completely racist Nazis, and they were somewhat racist, they were racist to selective races, but not to all races. Uh, The Mexicans loved them. American Indians loved them. Uh, They had very good international relations, which is one of the reasons that we... We wanted to go to war with them, saying, these guys are doing too well. Uh, and they, def- they definitely did not like the Jews, no question of that. Uh, they were not as anti-black as they're painted to be. They were anti-black. Uh, they did believe in the Aryan dream and all that nonsense. And like I said, Mexicans loved them, American Indians loved them. Uh, they got along extremely well with a lot of tribal societies. The Arabs loved them. Uh, they got along really well with the Arabs. And the Tibetans were just crazy about them. The Japanese loved them because they basically were living by their Bushido code. Uh, so they did not have a problem with Asians at all. They were fine with Asians. Now, they were fine with a lot of other races, just not uh, the Jews and, uh, to a large extent, the blacks. They did have some very, very curious ideas about uh, race and, and genetics. And those got molded by the Nazi administration criminally, in my view, uh, they had discovered a lot of the same stuff that I wrote about in my books, but they criminalized it. Uh, they took that to believe that they were the master race, they had the right to own the world, uh, they had the right to to be the masters of all they, they saw. I definitely do not believe in that. I definitely think they way, way took that. They perverted uh, they did, it. They did horrible. They perverted it. They did absolutely horrible things with it, criminal things. Yes. But that is where they got it. And that is one of the reasons that... Uh, I believe one of many reasons my various governments today, I think, kind of keep a lid on it. They're afraid of some of the racist implications because it wasn't that long ago. This was only two-thirds of a century ago, folks, uh, that we did see that taken very badly out of context, very badly perverted. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's why the government like keeps the secret, the alien secret, because uh, it could be perverted by people who misunderstand it, in a sense? Absolutely. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I believe that's exactly what Hitler and the Nazis did. Interesting. I've never thought of it that way, but that's a that's a unique way of looking at it. So yeah. See, you make me think of new things after all these years, man. So yeah, I never well, thought of that. Well, an excellent question. I want to thank you, David, from Scotland. Yeah. Nice um, job, David. All right. I think that covered the question. I mean, I don't know. He he got more than enough. <laughs> I don't I don't yeah, know necessarily what he what he was. He sort of was. Yeah. There's no. I don't see a single question mark in his three paragraphs. So we'll. We'll move on, because uh, I think we covered essentially what he was asking. Right. Uh, all right. Going down a different route, Corey Thornton wants to know uh, your thoughts on the conditioning of thought in some of the more
more recent movies. Uh, you gave a lot of info in past interviews regarding Hollywood versus the aliens. He's curious to hear your thoughts on the concept of tearing down the old world, i.e. the world it is today, to build a new one. Uh, sorry, folks, I'm reading these as I go along, so, so the, my, my pacing isn't great. Uh, has your research into the ancient world intersected with this theme, this theme of tearing down the old world to build a new one? He can give more detail if needed, uh, which I didn't need. Um, and he says, but examples of this theme running through them are Captain America, Winter Soldier, X-Men Apocalypse, Man of Steel, etc. Interestingly, all these are comic book movies, he realizes. That's Corey Thornton. Wants to know your thoughts on sort of this uh, storytelling trope that's emerged in the last few years of, you know, tear down the old world, build a new one. So what do you think? It certainly seems to be happening in real life, so who knows? Maybe they're conditioning us to that in a, in a whole uh, broader sense. But what, what are your thoughts, Mr. Rux? Yes, I believe that there is a, more or less a program to try and get people on board with that idea. Although simultaneously, uh, you have to notice in movies like uh, Man of Steel or uh, Batman vs. Superman, or uh, I'm going back to TV, Lewis and Clark. Uh, there were episodes in that. I'm going all the way back to Lewis and Clark. Let's put it that way, back to the 90s, back in Bill Clinton's tenure. There were episodes in that that were questioning Superman was really our friend. <laughs> oh, wow, and really? what would happen What would happen if this guy just went off? Uh, and that's actually my favorite fighting game in Justice Gods Among Us, in the universe where that happens. Superman becomes a tyrant over the rest of the world. And uh, the superheroes are united with him or against him. It's a civil war between them. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, I do believe there's a, not only a certain amount of conditioning toward the one world thing, which, remember, folks, that's what the Nazis were for, too. I, I'm just reminding you. That's what the Nazis were for, too. Hmm. Remember this. Uh, this is an idea that can very easily become perverted. I believe the neocons have perverted it, and the globalists have perverted it to a certain extent. That does not mean that they are entirely criminals, uh, or even necessarily criminals. But in some instances, uh, waging war around the world, we've been declaring war around the world all over the place, wherever we damn well feel like it. And well, provoking anyone we feel like provoking. It raises an interesting side question, though. It's like, can globalism even, can a kind of one-world government even be pulled off? Or is, uh, maybe maybe 1984 is right, where it's like, you, you really can't, you may be able to have like a secret world government, but it's like, I don't know, like outright, if you could possibly do it, unless alien, you know, unless somehow, like you had a transformative event, like an alien showed up, and then you're like, oh, we're all Earthlings. But even then, it would be like people would argue about shit. So, I don't know. Well, you're, fam you're familiar with Carol Quigley, right? With Hope and Tragedy. Mm, yes. Carol Quigley is the Oxford mentor of uh, Bill Clinton, and uh, I know other presidents or and other world leaders have listened very closely to him. His view was that ultimately. There could only be a one-world socialist government. Whether anyone wanted that or not, liked it or not, there could only be that. But that what was taking place has been seen for a long time. It basically started with Reagan and has been continuing since, which is the gradual creation of a neo-feudalist state that is run by the corporations with the entire world as it serves. And that's where you see the money going straight up and not trickling down. So he made a warning against that uh, when he was talking about the what essentially eventually become a one-world socialist government. Uh, so these two things are, are kind of diametrically opposed. Uh, and, and any given president, any given administration, any given bunch of people, any given group is going to fall generally in one or the other camp. In general, uh, I think the Republicans tend to go toward the medieval serf thing and 
the Democrats tend to go for the one world socialist thing. That was one of the things that Hillary was blasting Bernie Sanders for and Sanders supporters, saying that they were uh, fantasizing some socialist utopia that was never going to exist, which was not a wise thing for her to say. That's <laughs> one of the reasons that she she really screwed it. Yeah, um, one of many, yes. Right. <coughs> I mean, that, that, that would have alienated a whole lot of her supporters very badly, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, once people, once the Bernie fans found out Bernie really did get screwed, it kind of like, you know, the whole idea of like begrudgingly supporting her was became even more of a challenge. Um, yeah. So, so, what do you? Yeah, I, I kind of interrupted there for the idea of the globalism. So I, I guess the, I guess his idea is like, if I could sort of like dig a little deeper into his question. Uh, you know, do you think that this is like intentional, or is it kind of like uh, just in the zeitgeist that, that the sort of idea of tearing down the old world and building a new one? Like, are we being conditioned in a sense for for this big change, or is it like just something that people can sense in the ether? No, yes and no. I do believe we're being conditioned for that change, and that that is deliberate. Uh, the United States, especially with the neocons, has wanted to convince everyone that the United States has a special manifest destiny to rule the world to be in charge of a one-world government and basically in control of everything. We have largely thought that since at least World War II. Uh, but the neocons put it into overdrive. A, what you will see in the media, and I find this interesting, is not only a conditioning toward wanting to accept uh, this new one-world order, but you'll find an equal number of movies that are against it. that say this is not a good idea. Like I say, like in the fighting game, you have Superman Tyrant. And I, I see that happening in a lot of movies, too. This one-world government can be considered you know, demonic or evil or alien or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of see an equal number of those, uh, oddly enough. So I, I'm a little curious about that myself. Okay. Uh, now, coming all the way from China, we got an American expat in China. He wants to know if you have any thoughts. It's uh, Marco Withrow. And he wants to know if you have any thoughts or new information. I'm interested in this because I've been following this story, too. Uh, on the recent articles that claim that a new hidden chamber may have been found in the Great Pyramid and its possible implications, he wishes you the safest, ah, safest, the safest and happiest of Thanksgivings uh, to you, me, and uh, all of our families. And, of course, I'll, I'll back at you, Marco, and all the listeners as well. Thank you very much. I wish you and, and everyone listening the same. Uh, yes. I am very interested in the chamber. They have definitely found a chamber. The problem is they have to get permission to get into it. What they found is a vacancy, a vacant area. Mm, yeah. Uh, that vacant area is obviously some kind of chamber. Uh, they're able to determine that. It's at ground level, and they know exactly where it's located. Now, in order to get to it, they've got to get permission from Egypt to dig into it, because they're going to have to tear out part of the pyramid to get to it. Uh, the last I heard was quite a few months ago. I want to say it was... April or May, I think. Yeah, it was about spring. It was about spring or summer, early summer. Uh, I remember hearing something about that, and I was trying to follow up, but I have not heard any follow-up on it since. My I guess I'm very curious about that. My understanding is that uh, they were allowed to do the scans through permission of the Egyptian government, um, and then they presented the scans and found the chambers, and then another set of scans from an outside place didn't find them, so they're, they're sort of like, um, they, they want to do further, they want to be 100% sure that the things are there, um, and even then, who knows if they'll give permission, but right now they were kind of like, 
uh, dismissive of it. You know, I think Isn't it has to be the... no pun intended. It has to be like an airtight. Uh, right. <laughs> like you said, you yeah. know, if they're if they're going to start getting at that thing with chisels and, and stuff, and even even as carefully as I'm sure they do it, uh, they, they don't want like an Al Capone's vault thing on their hands. Like they they need to be sure. Oh, I don't expect there'll be anything in that chamber. No, I, I know that. I just chamber. mean. Yeah, yeah, that was a poor choice of uh, <laughs> comparison, actually. Yeah, I, right, I got the chamber you. would be. They just don't. They just don't want. Actually, Al Capone's vault at least had some booze bottles. In. Exactly. Yeah, they they, they just they, they don't want to be looking for a vault and end up just not finding anything. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But yeah. Yeah, in advance, I would tell them don't expect to find anything in it. There's nothing in any of the other chambers of the pyramid that we do know about. I don't believe there's anything in this chamber either, or probably will not be. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't go in and have a look at it. It's a new part of the pyramid that we don't know about. They would have put it there for a reason, and it's one more part of the puzzle. So what I've seen of the tests or what I heard of the tests convinces me that, yes, I believe there is a chamber there, a regular chamber. That's one of the things that convinces me. They were able to determine that, you know, it's got right angles. So, you know, God does not draw in straight lines. Yeah. <laughs> Man does. So... Yeah, I think we need to definitely get in there and have a look at it, but I think it's going to be held up. It sounds to me like the Egyptians just want to hold it up, and they yeah. will probably be able to do that for a very long time. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it, it pops up every, like, couple months. You know what I mean? Uh, so who knows what. So you don't think they'll find any treasure or anything? Because originally one guy was like, one government official was crowing about how there was a uh, crazy treasure in there and stuff. But that, oh, like, look, all the way back to the first opening of the pyramid. That was done by Khalif al-Mamun. We're going back, you know, way back in history. Khalif al-Mamun was the first one to break into the pyramid. Yeah. He and his men. And they did it because they were convinced that there was treasure inside it. Uh, that's a whole long story that I don't want to get into. because yeah. uh, they, they more or less, as they were giving up, a stone fell inside. They heard it and they went back to it and broke into the chamber, and now we know about all those chambers inside the pyramid. But that's how that happened. And they found nada. Squat. You want to talk about being disappointed, all that effort? Man, nothing in there. They didn't give a shit about you know, the architects or any of this other fantastic stuff. They just wanted the damn treasure. No pyramid. treasure. But didn't they find shit in King Tut's tomb, or is that not in the pyramid? Oh, that's not in the pyramid. No. Ah, okay. See. King, Tut's tomb, King Tut's tomb is in the Valley of the Kings. In fact, uh, all of the tombs are in the Valley of the Kings. Valley that's where all Kings. they found all the good stuff? Oh, yeah. That's in, uh, that's in Upper Egypt, at the other end of Egypt, which is actually south. Uh, that's Luxor in that area. Mm, okay. Interesting. And King Tut's tomb was removed from the rest of them, and it was virgin. Uh, the, the inner chambers were virgin. Someone had broken into the outer chambers at one point, uh, but the inner chambers were virgin. That's why that was such a, a huge find. Everything in there was completely intact the way it was when it was put there, uh, you know, 1400, 1300 B.C. It's pretty amazing all that time ago. Well, it's cool because you think that someday, uh, I think, I don't know if like you think, uh, that they, as the technology gets better and shit, they should someday be able to do, like, an insane X-ray Uber scan on, like, the pyramid. You know what I mean? And be able to that outright. Was you know what I, mean? I know, but that I'm saying, like, done. you know, I'm, t I'm talking about, like, what we're doing right now is a Xerox compared to what we can do with a copy machine in the future. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's like that. I feel like they'll be able to, like, do, like, an absolutely perfect, pristine scan so you can know Okay, exactly let, me, let me give you a quick backstory on that. A guy named Luis Alvarez, Nobel Prize winner in physics, 
<clears throat> his name comes up in the Kennedy assassination too with some BS for cover-up. But Alvarez came up with a cosmic ray device that was able to measure cosmic rays and find chambers by use of that. It worked everywhere in the world except the Great Pyramid. Uh, the, the readings were never consistent. Everything was always skewed, and he never figured out why. That was the only place in the world that his device did not work. Weird. Did they ever figure out why? If they did, they ain't saying. Weird. Because there's a fucking UFO in there, folks. I just say, I, I like to take things to the most extreme level sometimes, just for laughs. So don't, oh, I don't, <laughs> don't take me seriously. Please don't Look, I'm, me. The man, I'm the man who believes in Martians, okay? Yeah. It's perfectly respectable if you write nonfiction books about Mars. When you write nonfiction books about Martians, people give you a funny look. Exactly, uh, yeah. I've got a lot of stuff about the face on Mars, and I can show some details on exactly what I think the face is and that I think prove what the face is. And to people who are friends of mine, I've shown some of these, and one of them in response <clears throat> posted on this, this one little chat form that we had. He posted in response a happy face on Mark, you know, pasted over the, the face of Mark. I busted a gut. <laughs> I was just funny as hell. And I, I've kind of been using that in any talks that I do this, because if you're going to be talking about this kind of thing, and I do firmly believe it, but if you are going to be talking about Martians, and if you are going to be talking about ancient civilizations on Mars and being connected to Egypt and being connected to Sumer and all of this stuff, you have got to keep a healthy sense of humor, and you have to get the laughter out uh, in order to get to the serious stuff. Yeah. Uh, you, you just got to roll with the punches, and you got to go light. Exactly. So who knows, but hopefully someday maybe they'll get around whatever the problem with that guy's thing was and do a real scan of... Uh, you know, it just it stands to reason that the technology. I was thinking about that today because there was an article about Stonehenge. They found a giant uh, complex uh, like a mile away from Stonehenge. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And it was like obviously they found it through archaeological dig and everything. And I'm, they may have mm-hmm. found it originally through scans, but it's like they talk about this ground penetrating radar and shit. So you presume that within like a generation they'll have even. Like I said, you know, the equivalent of like what a Xerox was back in the day is what this would be now. In the future, it'll be like some laser version of a, a copy. And so who knows? We'll be able to get, be able to peer deep into the earth and get a very good uh, picture of it. You know, to the point. Well, that we do have we have, we have the National Reconnaissance Office, the NRO. Yeah. But you want to talk about secret organizations? That's one of the most secret for very good reason. Because these are the guys who discover where the missile complexes are. They're finding subterranean chambers. They're finding all this stuff. They are an extremely important part of our government intelligence apparatus, perhaps the most important part, for exactly that reason. They are finding things. Now, just because they find something does not mean that they're going to publicize it. I'm absolutely certain that our, our leading government officials, Trump will be one of them is going to know about a lot of the secrets concerning Egypt, concerning Sumer, concerning ancient astronauts. All the stuff I write about, they're going to brief him on. Now, the question is how they're going to brief him on it. My guess is that they're going to alarm him because they get more money that way. Will they? Uh, oh, that makes, yeah, that's, that's actually a good point. You kind of answered my question before I could, because I was thinking to myself, like, would, would they really want to risk uh, telling him uh, too much of the information, but then it's like if they scare the shit out of him and he's like, we need an intense defense budget because the aliens could come back or something, then Bingo. it works great for them. So I make, it would make sense. Bingo. Look, I'm not entirely against that. 
I do believe that they probably skew the information unfairly toward that bias because they get more money that way. Their jobs remain secure. However, that is not to say that there could not be a potential threat out there. Uh, we don't know. This is the kind of thing the president sit on that we do not know. They do not brief us on that. Now, I'll go further with that. Let's suppose, let's go into fantasy world and say that there was a world where I could become president. I would not be able to disclose everything that I knew uh, to the listeners now. The only difference between me and a president in that regard is that I would have stuff that's out there already, and I would probably say, well, read my books. <laughs> But there would be a whole lot of things that I simply would not be able to talk about for uh, what I'm certain are um, legitimate uh, national and possibly world defense reasons. Uh, So I don't completely fault them. Uh, They they are sitting on information I'm certain that that probably should not be shared with everybody else for good reason. I have a good. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out like a conspiracy prediction. It's not even a. Cons- it's not a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy <laughs> prediction. Kind of like how JFK like just couldn't keep its mouth shut. Uh, uh, you know the rumor is, and and just told Marilyn Monroe about aliens and shit. Um, considering how tight Trump's family is, he's definitely going to tell all of them. And in turn, then you've got like three or four people that know that are like relatively young. They're gonna. Someone's going to slip up, and the alien information will, <laughs> will will get out somehow in a way we don't expect it. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say it's like going to be disclosure or anything, but it's going to be like some somehow somehow it, it's too closely knit a family, and they they operate in too many circles that somehow somehow the secret of UFOs and aliens will will leak out in that in that way because they'll be like, holy shit, you're not going to leave my dad. So, you know what I mean? Something like that. That's that's my conspiracy I, I, prediction. I do often wonder about that and how presidents deal with that because they absolutely are sitting on knowledge that they cannot share with pretty much anybody, which has got to be immensely difficult. So I don't think a long Trump will do ago. it. I think he'll because they're like adult children. They'll they're like George George H W Bush and his kids. I presume he told them, but they were responsible enough not to tell anybody. But I think uh, Trump's kids, you know, Trump's Trump's kids will probably. Maybe. Maybe slip maybe. up, or maybe tell you know, maybe in- indicate somehow. I'm hoping that's a it's a hopeful conspiracy prediction for Ruck's giving. Um, it's a, based on the just human nature and secrets and the nature of secrets. Well, so. I keep wondering. You remember the Mars Attacks scenario uh, in the movie Mars Attacks? Uh, the president just discloses it. They, they have a meeting. They got the Joint Chiefs. Uh, the military's there, they've got their scientific analysts, they've got this message from Mars, they know the Martians are there and coming, they will, how do we deal with this? Uh, well, it's the end of the world, they're going to destroy us all, it's the military, uh, scientists saying we can learn so much from them, we need to extend a hand, um, and the president kind of stuck in the middle saying, what the hell do I do? And he just openly discloses it. He just says, look, uh, we've received the signal, they're there, uh, get used to it. And the world goes on, until the Martians attack, the world just goes on, and it's one more topic of conversation. Yeah. Uh, and they they did the exact same thing in a movie called Mars Attacks, or not Mars Attacks, uh, Mars Needs Women back in 1967, uh, which is a very silly movie and a very bizarre movie. But uh, they were playing it dead serious with exactly the same scenario. Like, look, the Martians are here. They are abducting people. They've told us that they're doing this. They have a reproduction problem. They need us to help. Their need outweighs our inconvenience, and we can't stop them. Uh, but we are working on it. Just wanted you to know. Thank you very much, the Pentagon. Uh, it's an interesting scenario. I mean, things could go that way at some point. 
Right. And I'm sure all presidents have been faced with that, and all world leaders have been faced with that. My guess is that all the world leaders basically put their heads together and say, look, uh, for X, Y, and Z reasons, and there are a lot of them, I mentioned one of them earlier with the genetics thing and uh, possible racist implications. Yeah. For every reason, maybe it's just wisest that we just don't talk about it until such time as we have to. And it's my guess that that is pretty much the, the agreement between world leaders. I would assume so, but yeah. It certainly seems like there's some kind of agreement between everybody not to talk about this, and I don't think it's because it's not real. That's uh, <laughs> oh no, it's real. Yeah, exactly. So, um, as crazy as it would be, as it sounds to some outsider listening to us now, it's like I'm pretty sure the alien thing's real, folks. But who knows what it means or what it is? Um, Look, I, I was asking myself the exact same question when I published my book. I just have to tell you this because I, w- I was aware of what I had found and I was aware of certain implications. My answer to that was, I believe if the material is presented properly, if you prep everything in advance and if you present it properly, there would not be panic. You could settle a whole lot of stuff right from the get-go and everything would be fine. And what I believe still to this day, I'm just one guy. No one has to listen to me. I am not standing behind a podium with some official office. I am not some credentialed scientist. So anyone can simply ignore what I have to say. Well, to be fair, Bruce, you do have your own Thanksgiving special. I mean, not too many people people have that, but go on. Yes. Uh, But, you know, I'm I'm not someone that the world is going to look at and say, this guy knows what he's talking about. Maybe you guys do, but, you know, how many guys are you? (laughs) All right? And how many guys am I? Uh, maybe I know what I'm talking about, maybe I don't. Certainly I believe that I know what I'm talking about. That's why I put the information out there. My own view on it is you can't keep all the kids in class stupid uh, because some of the kids in class are stupid or even because most of them are stupid. You can't hold the smart kids back. So if someone really wants to know what's going on, I put the information out there for them to think about and digest. Uh, the, the stupid kids in class, I don't have to worry about them. They're just going to dismiss it and say, oh, there's nothing to that. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This is just bullshit. God is in his heaven and uh, does not ride a flying saucer. And, you know, they're just going to dismiss me. So fine. Don't worry about it. The stupid kids will take care of themselves. The smart kids will pay attention, and they'll learn more. They'll keep at it. Yeah, well, we'll, well we, we, yeah. I, I'm, I'm tempted to say something about <laughs> regarding the election, but I'm not going to. Um, yeah, well, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, I, I lost my train of thought there. I was going to ask you about something regarding uh, this whole thing, but uh, I lost my train of thought. So if it comes, yeah, it usually does. Um, we'll move on to Kevin Kelleher. He just wants to say he marks the start of the holiday season as the exact moment the uh, Thanksgiving song from Bob's Burgers plays during the Rucksgiving show. He feels like his <laughs> year couldn't end and the new one begin without it. So that's how I feel, man. You know? well, I'm going I'm to laugh about that one for a long time, and thank you for making that comment. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know that. We played the Thanksgiving song from Bob's Burgers uh, on the special. So, uh, and Yeah, that's like I said earlier. That's I mean, listen, folks, once it, 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 I feel empty if there was no Rucksgiving because I, you know, I need that. Uh, I, have, I have intense OCT, as I said, so my holidays would be completely fucked if I didn't have uh, – have the Rucks giving special, so I, I, I love I'm it. Gonna go ahead and, well. I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody what I already told you, but I'm, I'm going to just clue them in. I wasn't sure there was going to be a Rucks giving this year, only because it was so late. 
I did recognize that uh, Tim had been busy with the election night thing. Yeah. And I had noticed on a couple of websites that was mentioned that it was in September or October, uh, Tim said something like, we will be back sooner than you think. So I thought he might be on hiatus because it was awful late when we finally got It's been started. a crazy year. I've done like six shows uh, normally right. when I do like 30. So my life's been upended by a new job and everything. So Right. So you were right to uh, have your faith tested. But like all the listeners, uh, I've come through and uh, proven that we can still produce. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very glad we did. Uh, I wasn't worried about it. I just thought, well, it's possible we had to go on hiatus for any number of different reasons, and we'll do something, you know, down the line. But we we might have had to postpone the Thanksgiving thing. That did cross my mind. Uh, but I wasn't worried about it. I, I figured I'd be back at some point. Everything would be fine. Believe me, these people on Facebook would never let me hear the end of it anyway. I'd be, I'd be like, uh, I'd be attacked by them. So. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I'm speaking in your defense, then. Yeah. <laughs> Thank hey, look, Tim had a lot on his plate, okay? Uh, I recognize that. You guys got to recognize that, too. Thank you. You heard it from him, folks. Now you have to. Uh, Stephen Strange. We got some short ones here. Uh, let me get back to the long ones. Stephen Strange wants to know, cranberry or applesauce? Uh, cranberry or applesauce at Ruxgiving? <laughs> uh, thank you. I love that one. Uh, applesauce, actually. Really? I, I love cranberries. Uh, I have a slight allergy to them. Oh, wow. They um, they create a uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. They create a kind of a bruise on the, the corners of my lips. Nice. Uh, if I don't have too many of them, then I'm fine. I have to go real easy on cranberries. I do love cranberries, but generally I go for applesauce only for that reason. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Chris Padilla wants to know if you smoke trees, which is his, which is the what the kids call the. Uh, the marijuana, which is legal in Colorado <laughs> now, and Massachusetts in about uh, three weeks. Not that I'm counting that, down the days, but... I, I knew that, but it's possible some of your listeners didn't, so I'm glad you clarified. Uh, I don't, actually. Uh, I'm, I think I'm allergic to the stuff. I don't have a problem with it, and I always thought it should be legalized, and that has gone exceptionally well in Colorado. The legalization Good. has gone very, very well. Uh, I know for a fact that they do not have any kind of tax problems, because I know someone personally who works for the IRS, and they say these guys are the best at reporting what they have. We've never had a problem with them. They're very straightforward. Um, we had no difficulties that were anticipated. Uh, they're just ecstatic about it. And if I had the money, dude, per- I would get on the ground floor of this legal Massachusetts marijuana because I think yeah, it's going to be a bubble that is, you know, it's going to be a, a a a gold mine at first. But so if absolutely. anyone wants to invest in a <laughs> a banal of America weed shop here in Mass once it's legal, I, <laughs> I would absolutely be down because well, I think it's a growth, I was always, growth I was always in favor. I was always in favor of it for, for exactly that reason. It's terrific for the economy. Why the hell are you criminalizing this stuff and putting people away for it? Why, and everybody uses it. For the love of God, everybody I know uses it. Okay? Everybody. And they always have. The only reason I don't is because I seem to get some strange allergic reactions from it. So I don't really care for it. I have you tried prefer, edibles? You know, I, actually, I don't have a problem with the edibles. The only problem I have with the edibles is they put me to sleep. Uh, uh, they knock yeah. me out real fast. That would make sense, yeah. Uh, other than that, and yeah, I do like the edible, uh, but I don't have them very often. When I was working security, uh, I wouldn't touch the stuff because it, 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 it would show up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, even if it's legal, I'm not sure how they work that now because it is legal. So, you know, in their off hours, they Most smoke places, all they want. I mean, I, I know you weren't in the NFL, but I know, like, the Denver Broncos can't can't 
get popped for smoking weed even though it's legal in Denver because it's still against the rules of the drug. That's law. kind of my point. So, yeah. so I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the security companies handle that now. Yeah. I might find out. In, I may have to go back to work for security. I don't know, uh, but I'll find out then. Uh, so it, it was never a problem with me because I just don't use it anyway. Hmm. I've got no problem with people who do, and you know, more power to you. Uh, you're you're definitely stimulating the economy, and I'm glad it makes you happy. Me, I just uh, prefer opening a good strong beer. I got a Claymore Scotch Ale open right now that I'm not drinking anywhere near enough of. Uh, I was planning on getting drunk, so I really got to get to work on that. Yeah, well, we still got an hour, so I'm. <laughs> yeah, we've only got an hour. I'll, I will be very buzzed by the end of the hour. I promise. And generally, we end up going over the hour, so there's a good chance uh, that right. we'll we'll be in the Ruxgiving spirit, deep in the Ruxgiving spirit, by the end of the show. Because I'm trying to keep trying to keep pace with you here. <laughs> now, well, every now that year, the night's underway. Every year, I vow I'm going to get drunk on the show this year. I vow that I'm going to do it, and I just never. I end up talking too much, and I forget. All right. Well, uh, that's because these people have all these questions, dude. James Shiesty, I, I'm going to chastise him, but in a nice way for this question, because it's like, really, dude. His question is, what are some of your favorite books and why? I mean, I, it's a nice question and everything, but it's like, Jesus, dude. You know, it's like very vague. You know, I don't, I don't know. So. I, I was going to say, if, if you're if you're listening right now, and if you're on your keyboard, uh, be a little more specific, and I will answer that. Yeah. You mean like non-fiction books, fiction books? Yeah, um, comic books, like, you yeah. know. Well, I love comic books. I, I'm going to tell you straight up, I love comic books. I'm a huge, very, huge DC fan. It's one of those, yeah, it's like somebody asks you what your favorite movie is. It's like you, you just go on for an hour and you just keep remembering movies you love, you know. It's, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, point me so. just a little bit more in that direction. I, I will be more than happy to answer that. All right. Well, now, James Shiesty, you have uh, one year to come up <laughs> come up with some hey, specifics. Hey, the thing right now. You're, you're on a keyboard. Go ahead and type it in. You know. What's how about just one? Can you recommend one book? Just one. So that way, we I feel like you know we don't want maybe he's looking for a book to read over the holidays. So let's give him one book. I'll recommend the original Planet of the Apes. Uh, oh man, book. I'm with you on that. That's yeah. a fantastic book. Pierre yeah. Boulle. Or Pierre Boulay, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Back. Yeah, Monkey Planet. It's great. So, yes, I read that uh, a couple book. summers ago and absolutely loved it. That is not only a fantastic book, but I've loved every single movie that they've made from it, even the ones that weren't that good. And even the TV series was not that bad. It wasn't that great, but I just love Planet of the Apes. I love everything about it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm a huge Apes fan. So. Well, how about you? I'm with, you, you, I'm with you, you on that. You're like, okay, so that's our recommendation. That's our book recommendation for James Shiesty. So pick up Monkey Planet by Pierre Boulet. Um, Remember, we live on the planet of the ape. Remember that. Exactly. Uh, Steve Grone wants to know, are the gods the aliens or are the aliens the gods? Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yes, yeah. they're one and the same. Yeah, I think the answer to that question is yes. Yes, uh, it is that answers itself. Uh what we perceive as the gods are people from another planet. In my view, probably Mars, possibly other planets as well. They may originally have come from some other solar system. I don't know. Uh, but certainly within the solar system, they were on Mars, uh, and they were here. And our remembrance of them is as gods. Uh, that was both a good thing and a bad thing. There were times that they were incredibly oppressive, and other times that they weren't, that they were extremely beneficial to us. Uh, just like, you know, differing administrations. <laughs> yeah, one time, Raw made easy. Raw is the friend of the human race, or Thoth is the friend of the human race, and another is destroying the world with fire. Uh, just ask anyone who's living in a foreign country right now that we've been, you know, carpet bombing, uh, whether or not Raw's in a good mood. Yeah, well, it's funny. Uh, 
the idea of like the gods and the answers. If people don't, it's a testament to sort of the I don't even know the willingness to disbelieve, the the need to have blinders or something. Where it's like you look at a cargo cult, and it's like that's essentially what religion is. You know, it's like yeah. why can't we have the self awareness to look at a cargo cult and say, wait a minute, maybe that's what we've been doing all these years. Maybe we maybe we're a giant cargo cult for aliens. Like it yeah. makes more sense than. Like, that is exactly my take on it. Uh, for those who are not fully aware of cargo cults, let me explain this to you. There are places in the Philippines uh, which, during World War II, United States servicemen, they, they landed there, and they left supplies. They left some cargo when they left. Well, the natives there worshipped that cargo as coming from the gods because they came from the skies. They landed, you know, and shared stuff with them and all this, and then they left. They are still revering that cargo. <laughs> right. We've returned to them now, and we're still God. Uh, we're just aviators, you know. We're just average citizens from the United States uh, who've been taught to fly and are working for the military or whatever other organization. Um, and we even kind of try to explain that to them. Maybe some of them get it, and maybe some of them don't, but they still revere this cargo as having come from the gods. And, yeah, I think religion is, for the most part, that's what it is. Uh, we have just kind of taken it, what's the right way to put it? I don't want to uh, say the wrong thing here. Uh, I think that a lot of us have sort of taken it to extremes or fantasized it in ways that it, it never originally was. Um, but, yeah, I think that's where it all started. That's where we basically got our religions from. Yeah. Seems that way to me. But That's, that's not an anti-religious statement. No. It doesn't make anything that the religions have to say you know, bad. And I think that's where they came from. That's the origin. Yeah. I got no problems with religion, folks. So, don't write to us about that. <laughs> I say my prayers. I believe in God. Just so everybody knows, I do believe in a God. Yeah, there's got to be something behind all this. Um, let me see. What's next on the uh, thing? Joey Herbs. This is another one where we had a lot of problems. Uh, he says he he wants me to know how you feel about the new movement of people trying to prove alternative cosmology. Then he says, if that makes sense. Um, and then I, <laughs> I would said... I hope if you pointed that a little more in direction. I do have an answer for that. I think I know what he's asking. Okay, well, hold on now, because I, I did... Certainly. I, I did respond, no, it does not make sense. So let me find where he asked that. Where the hell did that thing go? God damn it. There it is. I said, explain alternative cosmology. It sounds like mumbo-jumbo. He says, it is mumbo-jumbo, like the alternative shape to Earth. So, now that may have completely thrown you off of what... what, what. That did completely throw me off. Yes, he says, it's uh, a prominent group of truthers. I'm curious if he heard of it or knows anything about it. Now, we don't understand. Then someone else says... Uh, a complete outsider now jumps in and says, you mean ideas like the electric universe theory, as best I can understand, uh, it suggests that all force is electromagnetic. Da, da, da. Um, I think I think Joey Herbs is talking about, like, flat Earth. But well, I'm not sure. Flat Earth, no, but I will say something here. The electric universe theory, I am, to use the pun, I'm electrified by it. Uh, I... I I'm not sure whether it's correct or not, but I think that it may very well hold a lot of water. I have read some very interesting papers on that. Is that like Velikovsky uh, and shit? Yes. 
uh, Velikovsky was not completely off base. I believe he was wrong in a lot of his basic cosmology. In fact, I can prove it. But he was on uh, the right track. But he was definitely on the right track. And um, the electric universe theory, Velikovsky was not exactly proposing that. Uh, electric universe theory is a little bit more coherent than Velikovsky. Uh, I do not reject Velikovsky out of hand. He, he was not completely off base. I do think that he's, he went off track on a few things. Pioneer. And the electric universe theory, I can't say that I'm a proponent of it, but I definitely do not reject that of hand, and I do consider it extremely interesting, and I consider it to hold some water, enough to at least not rule out. Okay, now what about the other thing I think that he might be talking about, which is which is the flat earth? Because he's saying there's truthers involved, which is, sounds like the flat, because flat earth became popular like in the last year or two, so I think he might be talking about flat earth. So what do you think of the whole crazy flat earth thing? It's crazy. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to prejudice the, the question there, but do you agree? Anyway? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say this simply, man. Um, I don't see any reason to believe that the Earth is flat. I see every reason to believe it's round, and I have every reason to believe that uh, the Earth revolves around the sun. I just don't know what else to say on that. What about... Uh, I could what, be wrong. Everyone could be wrong, but I, I do believe that that is the case. What about the always beloved uh, hollow Earth? That is a different kettle of fish. I know. Uh, the hollow earth theory, I'm, I'm not an, I can't endorse the hollow earth theory because those are different hollow earth theories. The Nazis had their own, which is a little weird to me. Um, but that we might actually have a different core than we believe we do, I don't necessarily uh, rule out, or that there might be some subterranean world. I don't necessarily rule out. That is very much up in the air, and uh, it is in the speculative end of things. And I would need to see more information on any particular theory before I could comment on it. Like a subterranean I wouldn't, I wouldn't, world, like a subterranean civilization, you mean? I wouldn't even necessarily rule that out. Right. If if there was one, my guess is that it would be people from other planets. Or originals that like were here and then retreated to the inside of the planet when something like a flood happened or something. I'm not even going to say that I put it on the far reach of possibilities. I'm just going to say that it's, it's definitely on the speculative end of things. I wouldn't reject it out of hand, but if anyone wanted to suggest it, I, I need to know exactly what it was they were talking about and what sort of evidence they were referring to. The Nazis, I think, were off base. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's interesting, you know, the possibility. Mm-hmm. I guess if you think about it this way, it's like there was, you know, we've had millennia to explore the world and stuff so it would make sense maybe that some civilization would somehow retreat underground and live there you know we do we do continue finding things we continue finding things it's like this chamber in the pyramid uh, remember Machu Picchu was only discovered about 100 years ago uh, the lost city of the Incas and all that uh, we still find things now and then it's not like we've discovered every inch of the planet we have not we haven't gone deep into the Amazon because we can't. People die there. <laughs> you go too deep into the Amazon, you just don't come back. Yeah. There's lo- there are lots of, lots of explorers that have tried to do that. And yes, we can map them with the National Reconnaissance Office and, and stuff like that. And who knows what's been found in there? Uh, the National Reconnaissance Office knows, but they're not about to go sharing that information with everybody. Yeah. All right. So that was uh, alternative cosmology. We covered every possible shape of the Earth, Joey. So... I don't know what other shape you could, you know. We are an oblong spheroid wobbling unevenly through space 
in predictable fashion along with all the other planets which do the same. That, that's my answer to that. Yeah. I don't know where this – I think the hollow earth thing, honestly. I don't know. Have you ever – I know you've uh, – obviously you know about the hollow earth theory, but – I mean, uh, the flat earth theory, excuse me. Uh, did you know how big of a comeback it's made, like, in the last couple of years? I did not. Oh, yeah. I, I'll send I you an did. article about it. It's like – it's made a big comeback. I did know – I did know one guy personally who believed that the Earth was flat and that we'd never been to space. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was bizarre. He was otherwise uh, completely sane. <laughs> I just, you know, kind of shrugged and said, well, we don't need to talk about anything else. I don't know where you're coming up with that. Well, I, I said to somebody once, half-jokingly, but I, it's, it's not that the Earth is flat. It's that time is flat. So the Earth is like rolling like a ball along time. So it is time is a flat line. So maybe that's the <laughs> where people. You know what my? I'll tell you like, what my theory is on time. Yes. If anyone is even going to ask, if I'll give you my theory on time. I would love that because it fascinates me uh, uh, as a concept. Yeah. Time is not a dimension. Time is a measurement of the physical movement of bodies through space. Nothing else. It's a measurement that we, it's an arbitrary measurement that we create in order to measure. The time, the time for one physical object to move from one location to another. Yeah, why that is my definition think it's of time. People like is that like why? What, 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 is it like a dimension? How people think like time, like a fourth dimension? Are you saying that exactly. whole idea? I don't see it as a dimension because it's not a direction. Yeah, I never really understood. Yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I always thought time as a fourth dimension was kind of a cheat in a way, where it's like what? So. What you're saying, maybe. There are all kinds of really bizarre pseudo I call them pseudoscientific concepts. I could be wrong. A hundred years ago, I would have laughed at the idea of radio or TV. All right? And I think anyone would have. And lo and behold, we have radio and TV. This is commonplace to us now. Microwave ovens, personal computers, who could have foreseen any of that? Anyone would have thought this is just nonsense. The idea of time travel or time as another dimension, I consider it pretty much the same thing. Now if someone proves me wrong. I'll be more than happy to salute them and say, dude, uh, you showed me wrong. And uh, I'm glad you did. Interesting to know something new. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Who knows? I don't think we can, like, travel within our own timeline. Maybe we can travel to a different, like, universe somehow, but I don't even know. Yeah. Once you start thinking about that shit, it's like. Well, even the Einsteinian you know. continuum thing, if we accept Einstein, the Einstein continuum, if you take this idea of the guy traveling at the speed of light for a year, and coming back in 100 years have passed on Earth. He has not actually traveled through time. What has happened is that his time has compressed right. in relation relatively in, uh, to other time. Mm -hmm. So when he comes back out of that, his passage of time has been slower compared to everything else. But he has exactly, not actually yeah. traveled through time. If he had, he could travel back through time. That doesn't happen. There's an, it's physical compression. It's not actual time travel. Exactly, exactly, yeah. What's your Thanksgiving song? No, 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 no. Pass no. the cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Lynn. Thank you for loving me. Lynn. Thank you for being there. Oh, God. Everyone's thanking. Lynn. The whole world's thanking you. Stop. Thanking Lynn. us for thanking Stop. you. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Pass no. the cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Thank you for loving me. Lynn. Thank you for being there. Please. Thank you for loving me. Everyone's thanking. The whole Lynn. world.
world thanking you, thanking us for thanking you. Uh, he also wants to know, Joey Herbs, uh, if you have had any more MIB encounters since last year. Fortunately, no. <laughs> I have to say this. I voted for Bill Clinton twice. I was harassed for seven years of that man's administration. It went on very shortly uh, into W's tenure, and then they had bigger fish to fry. However, the difference between the time that the, the Clinton administration and the W administration, the tenor had completely changed. I was no longer being harassed, but they were still around. Uh, that is something that I had to bear in mind having to vote for Hillary. It's like, you know, if, I, if I'm personally voting for Hillary, I'm voting for my own personal harassment. <laughs> Her husband harassed me, and I have no reason to believe that she wouldn't either. And then the question is, well, you know, look, I, I have to stay with the party. I have, I have to stay with basic principles. But that was in the back of my mind. It's like, you know, Why I was not treated well. That's what I would like to know. <laughs> That's what I would like to know. I am not the goddamn alien enemy. Because yes. no one goes after me, thank God. Yes. It was that, and I am not the goddamn enemy. I am not a threat to the United States. I'm not a threat to anybody. Uh, why the hell do I have these people around me making threats? Why the hell? Weird. And something that I'm never going to forget. You don't forget something like that. Yeah, well, we talked a little bit about it on past shows, so we'll let folks go there and check those out because we, we don't want to dredge up all that, but it sounds spooky right. as shit. Right. Uh, and we don't want to But no, I, I have not had any further encounters, and uh, I have been very peaceably left alone, and I'm grateful for that. There you go. Uh, PJ Bear is going to be the, punch, uh, the turd in the punch bowl here. He wants to know... If we're going to discuss the crazy election results, which we did for the first half hour of the show, <laughs> and the conspiracy theories, which I have yet to hear, although I've actually propagated some of them in my own mind, of Russian hackers and the FBI colluding with Trump to help him win, or are you just going to avoid opening that can of worms? Like, like you know, I'll, so he's shaming, us into, he's shaming us into addressing the thing. Let I'll me say that. first, yeah, let me just say first so I can clear my brain of the conspiracy theory that was rattling in my head, but I kind of think that if there was a conspiracy theory, uh, if it was sort of like swung in Trump's favor through chicanery, let's say, I then I think that was what the whole point of him being like, saying the election was going to be rigged and he wasn't going to win, so that when he won via rigging, people would be too, uh, his enemies or his, his critics or whatever would be too, you know, it would be like they couldn't, claim that he rigged it to win because they were laughing at him all this time about saying it would be rigged so he lost. You know what I'm saying? He pulled a double whammy yeah. reverse yeah. reverse mind meld on us uh, to steal the election and trick people into not questioning it. But that's just a conspiracy theory, folks. So, you know, take of it what you will. But go on, Bruce. I will be glad to touch that. I'm just going to point you in a direction and let you decide that for yourself. Uh, first off, I do not believe that uh, the Russians hacked uh, the emails or any of this other stuff. I don't think it was an inclusion there. Um, second off, uh, what was the other part of that question? Hold on. Did the Russians and uh, the FBI team up to steal the election for Trump? Okay. Yeah, the second part of that. Here's a guy from the CIA who has been with the CIA since Nixon and is involved with a whole lot of dirty trick stuff. Who came out on the Alex Jones show. Take that for what you will. Oh, Roger Stone. And, uh, I think his name was Pichenik. Um, you worked for Nixon? Yeah. No, that's Roger Stone. 
post Rogers be. down? Yeah, he has Nixon tattooed literally on his fucking back. He's a lunatic. No, this was a different guy. Uh, this right, like well. the uh, In any event, this guy said straight up that this was a, a CIA rig putting Trump in. Now, take that for what it's worth. It's the Alex Jones show, and I'm always a little leery of Alex Jones. He's one of those guys that, like Robert Redford and Jane Fonda, I'm always saying, please get off my side. <laughs> I, yeah. I often agree with him, uh, but he kind of goes extreme, and uh, he, he puts everything in a bad light. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which doesn't mean that I always necessarily disagree with him. Sometimes I do agree with him. So I, I just say that, and in that light. If you go to the Alex Jones show and look it up, I'm sure you could find it. Uh, there is this guy, like I said, I think his name is Pachenik, who um, claims to have been involved with, with all of this stuff and has CIA credentials, and he says that they rigged it for Trump. So yeah. I'll just take that for what it's worth. I don't know. I don't know. I would have thought if it was going to be rigged, it would be rigged for Hillary. Uh, the Clintons and Bushes are completely owned and operated by the CIA. And I would think if the CIA was going to pick their candidate, in, it would be Hillary. I think there was a lot of like chicanery involved behind the scenes on both sides. I mean, we only saw what was in the Democrats' emails, and it's like all the you know. I I don't necessarily right. blame the people who were like, look at the WikiLeaks and all this shit. But it's like, dude, if we could read the Republicans' emails, God knows what would be in there. So it's like it's all dirty pool, folks. It's all yeah, fucking it's dirty, all dirty pool. pool. It's all dirty pool. I suspect. And I cannot prove this, but I suspect uh, the hand of Henry Kissinger, if there was some kind of chicanery behind the scenes and if Trump was somehow levered in, I suspect the hand of Henry Kissinger being part of it. That's only a suspicion and a gut feeling, and I can't prove that. But I, I just have a funny feeling about that. All right. Yeah, he's, he's a puppet master for sure. He's been behind the scenes forever. Uh, I, I call him Blofeld. He's Ernst Stavro Blofeld. You know, James Bond and everything. Yeah. Uh, Steve Ray, who's a good friend of mine, and a, uh, the kind of person I think that I would love to listen to you two guys talk and just sit back and listen. But he wants to know if there are any late-breaking updates, which is hilarious, and I think he realizes that. On the Sea People, uh, he says, that would be greatly appreciated if you have any late-breaking updates on the Sea People, of course, who are an ancient group of people that are mysterious. Uh, oh yeah, seafaring people. Any 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 new insights into the sea people since the last time we talked to you? Uh, yes and no. I read one excellent book, and I I wish uh, I didn't know that that was going to come up, or I would have checked the name and had it ready. I read an excellent book uh, by a particular researcher who went into considerable detail about the end of the Bronze Age, which is uh, his take on it. I find quite interesting, and it might be true. Which is that the sea people did not actually cause the end of the uh, Bronze Age. They were a symptom of it, that what was happening at the end of the Bronze Age is largely what we see happening today. There was a, a very large international community with a hell of a lot of international business ties. Uh, but the various different civilizations were becoming corrupt and falling apart from within, and the Sea Peoples were a product of that. So they accelerated the demise by their attacks. Hmm. Uh, basically, everyone's economy was starting to fall apart uh, due to a lot of internal corruption, and a whole lot of people just struck out and found what they could get. So in that sense, yes, I consider that a valid insight. I'm not sure he's correct. There's no way to prove it. Right. But it's a very interesting theory, and uh, it's certainly one that I consider very seriously. Hmm. Well, I do find the sea people fascinating, so I'd like to uh, delve more into that someday in the future. We did the whole pirate show last year, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Which what... was fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's always fun talking to you, dude. Yeah, that was a great one. Tonight's I was afraid we might alienate everyone. I'd say, what the hell is pirate shit? I don't want to hear this. Oh, God. 
They'd Jeez. listen to us read the phone book on this thing if uh, if they if uh, if they had to. So Klaus, Klaus, we talked about these people all over the world. Klaus Hager in Berlin wants to know if you've looked into channeling, and if you have, what do you make of it? Uh, first off, my my people are from Berlin. We came from Prussia back in uh, 1871. Just want to let, let you know that. Very nice. Yeah, that was that the origins uh, of the rocks name. So it's, it's a very yeah. strong rocks. It's a very uh, I like your name a lot. Yes, it is. It's old Prussian. We came from Berlin in 1871, right after the creation of the Second Reich and out of Bismarck. Just so everybody knows. If I ever become a professional yeah. wrestler, I'm going to use Rox as my name. It's like the perfect. There you go. Yeah. It's the kind of thing. <laughs> it's kind of a strong someone, name, isn't it? Yeah, someone who wields a steel chair would have have a name like that. So. <laughs> so. Okay. Anyway, what, what is the question again? Channeling. channeling. What do you think of channeling? Well, I'm always highly suspicious of channeling. Uh, only for you may be familiar with the nine. There's this group called the nine. Oh yeah, I'm familiar uh, with it, but I've I'm familiar with it, but not enough that I should be able to speak to it. It's complex. Uh, well, the reason I the reason I bring them up is because they were connected with uh, some multi-billionaires, the Bronsky family in uh, Canada, the owners of Seagrams, I think it is. Um, they're extremely rich, and they were deeply connected in the entire nine phenomenon. Uh, the nine phenomenon was this channeling bunch where they were channeling messages from the original create the nine original creator gods. That's how they got their name. And they just spouted all kinds of ridiculous nonsense. But they had a whole lot of very interesting people paying attention to them and trying to bring them into their circle. One of those guys was Gene Roddenberry, uh, who apparently he was highly suspicious of them, and he, he asked some kind of test questions uh, to feel them out, and uh, I got the same impression that he did from it, which is that these guys are putting me on. This is just a joke. But he didn't completely throw it out. Uh, that's where you get Deep Space Nine uh, and where you get the uh, the pattern for the, the uh, primary characters in uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, he didn't completely rule that stuff out, or he at least took it to heart and was able to incorporate it into a science fiction. Yeah. Uh, but I am as suspicious as he is about someone channeling. Because if someone's channeling, you have no way of verifying the information, and they are trying to manipulate you for a reason. It's like a seance, and you always have to be suspicious of, in, of any kind of seance. There's a motivation for people to lie to you, hmm. and it's a very strong motivation. Now, ultimately, they're after money or some kind of influence that they believe they can get from you. Yeah. So where I wouldn't necessarily rule out channeling, uh, I, I would simply say that I'm extremely suspicious of it in all instances. I'm in the same boat, actually. Uh, I don't really find channeling. Yeah, like, like you said, you've got to take somebody's word for it in a sense, and it's not, that's not good enough for me. I'm incredibly cynical, so <laughs> I've been around this yeah. thing long enough. Since, since I have no way to verify it, and since there are way too many motivations for people to want to fake it, uh, I genuine channeling taking place. Um, he also wants to know your thoughts on Sasquatch, which I don't think we've ever talked about on the show. No, I don't think we have either. Uh, I believe in it, actually. I believe Sasquatch exists. Well, you're in good company. Uh, you don't have to say actually like you're going to be looked at like a lunatic on this show. This is this is Sasquatch country, man. We're we're all for Sasquatch. Yeah, I think he, I, I believe that he exists. And I do not at all find it incredible that we do not find Sasquatch. He just doesn't want to be found. And look, this is like, um, like I said about the Amazon. There's just certain places you can't go, you know. 
and it's not like Sasquatch is, wants us to know that he's there. Right, exactly. Uh, do you think it's like, uh, where, where do you think it falls on the scale of, like, um, sentience? Do you think it's like a, like a bear, or do you think it's like, a, like an ape, or do you think it's like more of a human, sort of a lost, a missing link, all that stuff? Where, where do you think it falls in that range? That I really or don't know. Or interdimensional. There's a lot of paranormal people think it's paranormal. So what about that? I kind of discount the interdimensional thing. It's just because I, I go with Occam's razor. What's the likeliest explanation? Right. The likeliest explanation is some species that we simply have not really encountered, except you know occasionally and accidentally. Uh, we simply don't encounter each other very much. It's kind of like deep sea life. Uh, we don't encounter deep sea life because it can't live in our environment, and we can't live in its environment. So occasionally we might find some deep, deep sea species by probe uh, that we haven't encountered before. But it's not like we're going to be regularly bumping into each other. Uh, the whole reason that the myth of the Kraken came up with the giant squid, people didn't see giant squids very often. You had to be in particular waters at particular times to be attacked by one. And uh, it, so it became a myth. That doesn't mean that there wasn't an actual creature there. It was probably the giant squid. Yeah. Uh, so I tend to think whatever Sasquatch is, I'm not sure what species, and I would be fascinated to find that out. I think that's the real question there. If he does exist, what is his species? Is he a species of ape, or is he a species of Homo sapiens uh, that branched off at some point? Uh, that, I think, it would be uh, the central question once you determine that, yes, he actually does exist. And I, I can't say for a fact that he does. I definitely do not discount the stories about him. Uh, and that doesn't mean there aren't people out there faking it and, and trying to get attention or what have you. But I do think there's something to that, and there probably is some there's some form of life out there that we have not encountered yet. I'll throw an idea out that I just thought of while you were saying that, because I always just assumed it was a species of ape. But now that you now that you say that, uh, I'll go out on a limb here. This is the only only kind of conspiracy theory that could come up 90 minutes into a Rucksgiving special, but. What if the Bigfoot's actually like some kind of uh, offshoot of the sloth? And that's why... I wouldn't that, necessarily discount that either. And that's why we can't find it. Because even if you're like in the forest looking for it, it could be like way up in the tree. It could just go up in the tree and hang out there 23 Ignoring hours a day us. and come down <laughs> for one hour to Ignoring eat. Ignoring because yeah. it has no interest in it. Yeah, and yeah. just go back up and, and, and hang out in the tree, you know? That's a very interesting theory and, and definitely one that I would put in the hopper. Yeah, so Bigfoot researchers, go out there, start looking up. Start looking up. You might find the Bigfoot up there. See that, that is an excellent observation, and I, I would agree. Thank Don't you. Limit yourself. Like I said, that just popped into my head. It's the kind of idea that, uh, you know, and folks can do the math, but it's the kind of idea that only comes up 90 minutes into a Rucksgiving special. So, uh, Think outside but, the box. Well, yeah, and I've got, yeah. you know, a good portion of a Claymore Ale in me, too, and that helps. That's the joke, yes. <laughs> Hence the 90 minutes into the show. Uh, Jason Braun wants to know what you he – he knows he likes the deep nah, – let me start over. Jason Braun has a question for Bruce. He says he knows you like the DC movies, but have you watched the animated DC movies? And have, Okay. And have you ever seen a movie called The Wraith? It's a favorite of his since childhood, and it stars Charlie Sheen as a possible ghost reincarnated guy alien with an incredibly rad car. If either of you have not seen it, then please check it out. I will definitely not be watching The Wraith. Sorry, uh, Jason. Lastly, lastly, I know one of you watched Stranger Things, uh, right? If so, discuss. I have not watched Stranger Things. I heard it's good. 
Um, sorry, Jason, I will not watch The Wraith. I don't have time to watch some 80s movie with Charlie Sheen as a ghost or something. Uh, but I, I hope that Bruce has seen it, um, and maybe he can shed some insight into the I have seen it. I only barely remember it. The 1980s were... The, the early part of the 1980s were literally a blur to me. I barely remember. I assume it's the 80s. I mean, it could be the 90s, but I've never. Yeah, heard I think of it was the 80s. Movie. I've never heard. Of I think movie. it was the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I can't really comment on that too much. I do remember it, but I don't remember it that well. I kind of tuned 1980s movies out. I hated the 1980s. Just couldn't stand them. Uh, that, that's <laughs> when we're looking at you know the worst possibilities of a Trump presidency coming up with the Republican administration. Those are the nightmares that I have in the back of my head. It's going to be the 80s. Uh, yeah, the 80s were just a fucking nightmare for me. They were horrible. Well, they want that's what I think that was, that's what they mean by make America great again. Like make it like the 80s. I'm afraid, but we'll see. Dear God, I hope not. And yes, I am afraid of that in the back of my mind. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like the peak of Trump when he was like at his most uh, till now? Who knows? Sadly, yes. So, that occurred to me. Yeah, he's like Al Bundy. He wants to he wants to take us back to Pokai. Um, what about the DC movies? Have you watched the... Let's move off of that. The, the, the Wraith. We don't know anything about The Wraith. Sorry, Jason. Uh, Bruce, you should check it out because you like this kind of thing. Maybe you can watch it. Um, but uh, <laughs> my plate is full. Um, what about the DC movies? Have you watched the animated ones? And uh, I love DC. Now the, now, the DC movies, the live-action <laughs> ones, I don't know what it is about DC, but you compare them to the Marvel Studios movies. Marvel Studios treats all of its characters with love, and they realize them as best as they possibly can, and that's why the fans love them. I'm not a huge Marvel Comics fan, but I love the Marvel Comics movies. They're very well done. The vast majority of them are just fantastic. DC movies, when they're live action, suck. And the reason that they suck is because DC seems to say, how can we most fuck up these characters beyond recognition? They don't realize the characters. They try to reinvent them into something that they never were, so you don't recognize them when you see them and say, I can't relate to this. Why the hell are you doing this? Batman versus Superman was the worst offender. Now, the animated stuff is entirely different. Batman the Animated Series could not better have embodied Batman. Could not. It was fantastic. And uh, Suicide Squad, I have not seen the live one yet. Uh, I'll be renting that when it becomes available, and I'm actually looking forward to it even though it didn't get good reviews. But the animated movie of it, that was fantastic. <laughs> that was funny right. as hell. I just watched uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans. I loved that. Um, I, I love the uh, DC animated movies. I think they're, they're those are really fine. All right. What about Stranger Things? I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I heard it's really good. I have not seen Stranger Things only because I don't have streaming. Uh, that's one oh, yeah, of those that I'll have, probably... You don't have Netflix, dude? I figured you'd be all over that. Oh, I've got Netflix. I just don't have streaming. Uh, ah. It used to be I wasn't really... It's only recently that I've gotten set up to where I really could use streaming realistically. Uh, so I might actually get into that. Now, that's one of those that I'm just kind of waiting for to come out on disc. What do you mean you don't have probably... streaming? You don't have Wi-Fi? Yeah, I've got Wi-Fi. I just don't have streaming. I don't subscribe to, to streaming. So you don't subscribe to Netflix? No, I subscribe to Netflix. It's on Netflix, Stranger Things. Yes, I'm, yeah, I'm I know. Con- I, I'm I totally don't... confused. How are you not... All right. I rent discs from Netflix. I'm not subscribed to the streaming. Oh, my God. You're like one of the three people left who get the discs? Yeah. Oh, jeez, Bruce. Just pay the extra $3 and get the stream. Get the stream. You'd love it. <laughs> I, know, I, know, well, I know you're... I know you're <laughs> I know you're a bit underwater at the moment, but it's worth the extra like three or four bucks. It's it's really yeah, quite a catalog. Yeah, I make it around to it. 
the thing is, I, I don't know what all I would watch. I, I would definitely watch Stranger Things, no question of that. Um, I did very much enjoy, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching Stranger Things. Everyone I know has recommended it to me, and I'm absolutely certain I will love it. Um, just finished watching uh, Channel Zero on Firefly, Candle Cove. I love that. Which, uh, just from what I've heard of Stranger Things, is kind of sci-fi the equivalent of it. Uh, that was a very bizarre show, and it was kind of nightmarish, and it had kind of a low-key X-Files feel to it that I really liked. Uh, a nice atmosphere. So I very much enjoyed that, and I am looking forward to seeing Stranger Things. It, it's kind of like this. I'm just not in a hurry to see it. When I'm able to see it, yeah, I'll just get around to it, and I'll, I'll look forward to it. It's something that I can anticipate. Yeah. But no, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet either, but uh, maybe I'll watch it this holiday weekend. Uh, during, there you uh, go. During the uh, downtime. All right, Dennis Moore, he sounds like he has a problem with you, Bruce. He says uh, he wants to know where you got your info about contactees. He says in Hollywood uh, versus – he says in H versus FS. What is Hollywood – I don't know what. H- Hollywood versus the Flying Saucers. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought it was Hollywood versus the Aliens. In, uh, in it the is book, Hollywood versus the Aliens. My original title for it was Hollywood versus the Flying Saucers. This oh, thing he, eerie. Uh, he, wants, he, says, uh, he says in the book – you say that abductees are into S&M and bondage, but he has only read that in your book and no other book. So he's curious as to where you got that information from. My first was cited in the text. Uh, that came from Bud Hopkins and um, from uh, David Jacobs. Well, David Jacobs, is he's mixed up in a lot of problem, problems. David later. Jacobs got mixed up. His first book was fantastic. After his first book, he got beleaguered by a bunch of fake abductees and all kinds of nuts out of the woodwork who he bought. And uh, he went a little bit nutty. But his first book was really fantastic. Um, okay, well, there you go. That's the... I don't really follow abductions that much, so it's not really... And it also has to be said, it's not like universal. It's not like every abductee... Right, right, symptom. exactly. But there, there does seem to be some kind of a tendency toward that. And those were my sources for that. The exact books. Uh, Jacob's book was um, Secret Life. And uh, I don't remember which Hopkins books, but I have them listed in my bibliography and probably in my notes. All right. Uh, All right. Well, there's people in the chat room complaining that I'm not reading their questions when they had like four days to submit questions ahead of everyone. But we're near – we only have a couple left, so – I tell you what, folks in the chat rooms, uh, put out your questions now, and uh, we'll get them to Bruce, because you guys were cool enough to hang out in the chat room. So, uh, sure. Yeah, and then we'll do one of the questions from the list. That's good by me. Yeah. I'm trying to manage all these people. All right, Crystal Reith, who's extremely excited about this episode. She's been posting a lot uh, on the Facebook she uh, she wants to know what you believe happens in the afterlife. Do you follow the traditional Egyptian belief in regards to what they thought happens during death, that it's only a temporary interruption to life? Very curious about what you believe occurs and why you feel this way. Well, that's a really interesting question. We're getting into spirituality there. Uh, I almost regret to say that I believe in reincarnation. And the reason I say that is because I cannot imagine any number of times going through junior high that would be beneficial. But I do, in general, have a tendency to believe in reincarnation. Uh, I have some personal reasons for believing that that I I really can't get into because it would take too long. Uh, 
and no, I am not certain that I'm correct. It could be entirely incorrect on that. But yes, in general, I do tend to believe in reincarnation, and I think the Egyptians were an incredibly wise civilization. They went through periods of degeneration, and most of what we know about them came from the period where they had forgotten a lot of their original wisdom and the sources of it. But I do believe that they were simply spiritually very advanced, uh, that they had kind of mapped uh, the, the territory of the afterlife, if you will. Uh, I do believe that. I can't prove that. It is a theory. Uh, it is something that I generally believe, and I cannot be certain that it is true, but I do tend to believe it, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Kimberly Reck wants to know if you think the banks will crash the economy because Trump won. Why would they do that? No. They that that would just they'd just be shooting themselves in the foot. No, I don't think that'll happen. Okay. Uh, there, there's a whole lot of alarmist stuff out there right now. Um, people are just afraid, and I understand why they're afraid. We're looking at some big change coming down the pike. I am not looking forward to a whole lot of that big change myself. I'm hoping that some of it will be good. Uh, that's one of those where you know you can just cross your fingers and roll your eyes heavenward and and hope. <laughs> Because what else can you do? Yeah. But no, I don't think the banks are going to crash. They said the same thing with Brexit. Uh, Brexit has not happened yet. I mean, it was, it, it was well, basically the, a referendum. Well, the banks did crash at first on Brexit, but they, I mean, and, but there was yeah. barely a blip when Trump uh, got elected, and then they surged. Well, at least Wall Street yeah. did. So it's like they, I, I think, the, I think that I think business thinks it's going to be good for them, and it probably will as long as he doesn't I do cannot something insane. Yeah, I cannot understand why any Republicans would think that, uh, or or any financiers would believe that a Republican administration is going to be bad for them. I can't understand that one at all. But no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Thanks. Right. Uh, to jump back to Crystal, she wants me to make sure that uh, I let you know how much uh, we, I guess the audience, and me too, how much we love you and look forward to hearing from you every year. Uh, she says she wants more, and she's listened to your interviews, uh, our shows, so much that she's practically memorized them. And uh, the couple on YouTube that you did with Jeff Rents after your book was published. So I didn't know there were bootleg uh, Rux Rents interviews out there. I'll have to check those out sometime. I'm glad to know those are out there. Jeff Rents is one of the best interviewers in the business. I absolutely love to be on his show. I was on it twice. Um, he's one of the best interviewers that I've ever been with. Uh, you are probably, I would have to say you're the best, but I definitely oh, enjoyed being with Jeff Rents. I very much enjoyed my time with him. And uh, those were very good interviews. And uh, I haven't really changed my mind on anything that I said during them. So, yeah, if those are posted, you might want to go listen to those. Yeah. Um, okay, a luck man in the chat room wants to know if you think uh, the occult magic that's hidden in societies and aliens. Uh, well, come on, a luck man. You got uh, He wants to know, do they have anything in common? He, he fucked up the whole verbiage of this. Uh, this is why we don't open it up till the end for the chat room, folks. What do you think the occult magic that's hidden in societies and aliens have in common? I'm not sure I quite got all of that. Could you say it a little more clearly? What do you think the occult magic that's hidden in societies and aliens have in common? Societies and aliens. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm baffled. Elect man, we need more details here. Luckily, he's in the chat room, so... Yes, if you're in the chat room, clarify that a little bit, because I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. Yeah, what do you mean by occult magic? Well, uh, and I'll, I'll define one thing right off the bat. Occult and magic are not the same thing. Occult merely means hidden, uh, cryptic, um, 
secret clues. So he's like saying that. like the he's saying like there's let's try and let's try and decipher what he's asking here. He says that right. there's occult magic. No, don't say sorry, you like man. Give us more details. Uh, yeah, don't have to apologize for yeah, it. Yeah, don't apologize, dude. It's just we're we're completely in the dark here on this. Uh, so he's saying there's occult magic hidden in societies, which I guess is sort of like the idea, let's say, of like uh, the all-seeing pyramid hidden on the dollar bill or hiding in. Oh place. yeah, yeah, okay. And aliens. Yeah, so it's like, is there? I think I, I kind of am understanding now. The more I think about it, maybe what he's saying that like, is there a connection between sort of like. I don't know anything about aliens performing occult magic. I think that's where the confusion lies with me. It's like, where I don't know any, you know, other, I guess there are sort of occult underpinnings maybe to the alien lore, but, I mean, I don't, I don't really necessarily associate it directly, like, with the occult, but, uh, right. you know, jump uh, in here. What we need to do out. here, what we need to do here is differentiate magic and the occult. They're not the same thing. Hmm. Uh, occult is hidden symbols. Right. Occult merely means hidden. So he's saying it's hidden magic. by symbols. It, yeah, not magic. Magic is something entirely different. Uh, the occult, for instance, the Masons are an occult society. Uh, they use a lot of cryptic symbols, uh, many of which they borrowed from antiquity, where you get the eye in the pyramid, uh, Novus Ordo, uh, the Novus Ordo Sublorum, the New Order of the Ages, which is <laughs> back to that question. Uh, yeah, the Founding Fathers believe the United States had some kind of manifest destiny, too. The question is whether or not we are interpreting as manifest destiny today is what our founding fathers were interpreting as manifest destiny for America's greatness. Yeah. But, yeah, there are occult societies, and a lot of their uh, their symbolism does come straight from antiquity. That's where the red, white, and black come from. Uh, the Nazis definitely tapped into it. The United States taps into it with the New World Order and all of that. Uh, the Eye in the Pyramid, all right, of that kind right. of He says, yeah, so, he says we're, we're on the track now of what he's asking. So, yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah, uh, and and I I want to stress this. You got nothing to apologize for, man. I'm just one guy, and uh, I'm not upset. No, I just no. A little more clarification. No, and I'm just some asshole trying to read it in the chat room. So bear with me, luck man. You know. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we know? just we just need all, to I, all I can I can only work with the words I'm given. So it's like what? <laughs> and we're live. Yeah, you're fine, so. man. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all buddies here. Don't worry about that. Yeah, it only it makes sense in a way that you know. This hidden secret knowledge—that's kind of like that's what is the secret knowledge, you know? What else yeah. would the, what else would the secret knowledge be? We know everything. We know pretty right. much everything. Like we know germs make you sick. Maybe that yep. you know. Maybe that was part of it back in the ancient times, where it's like there's these little things that are called germs that make you sick. But I doubt it because people, you know, were were dying left and right from things that easily could have been avoided. So right. it's like what other secret knowledge was- don't we know yet? Well, it was probably a deeper time in antiquity when that was not the case, when, in essence, we were closer to the gods, and there are some uh, religious texts that do actually indicate that, uh, like, like Mesopotamian texts, Sumer and such, Yeah. Uh, that indicate that there was a time we were much closer with the gods, and we did have uh, cures to lots of diseases and all of that. But then when you get into the myth of the fall and the separation of man from the gods, from God or the gods, however you want to interpret it, we kind of fell into a dark ages, uh, there was a problem there. And yeah, a lot of knowledge just degenerated. But we still have a vague memory of that. We have a dim memory of it, which is passed on in all of our myths and all of our legends. That's the type of thing that I'm writing about in my books. Yeah. That's what I think was, that's the origin of our religions. All right. Uh, let me see. We got one more from the listeners. Uh, we have a horrifying one that I'll get to in a minute. But uh, the... The the last one that came in through traditional means comes from Darren Stoke. He wants to know uh, 
he wants us to discuss a little bit about uh, Stephen Hawking's statements that uh, we should really be trying to... Oh, okay, I'm sorry. He says he wants some discussion over some of Stephen Hawking's statements, like, should we really be trying to contact aliens? Uh, Stephen Hawking says it's not a good idea. Uh, They may prove to be dangerous. Also, the newer one, where he said Earth has about a thousand years left to support human life, I would be interested in hearing what kind of avenues both of your minds tread down on those issues. Well, I'm, I'm, that's a that's a profound compliment, Darren, that you care what I <laughs> think of these issues, but I'll be happy to tell you, and I'm sure Bruce will too. So what do you think is the deal here with uh, Stephen Hawking? I think he, I think he just said, I don't, I don't want to be, I'm going to sound like the biggest asshole, but it's Rucksgiving, so I think I can get away with it. But I think Stephen Hawking just likes to say shit that's provocative. Or at least the media takes things that he says. Yeah, I did not. I did not develop any respect for Stephen Hawking at all until he admitted that his black hole theories could be wrong. Uh, he actually finally came out and said that, and I said, you know what? I wanted to roll you off a cliff in your wheelchair. I was so sick of you. But once you said that, I developed a newfound respect for you. What he meant when he was saying that maybe uh, it's not a good idea that we try and contact alien races is simply what I call wise precaution. We don't know who all is out there. We don't know. And we are supposing that alien life does exist, and we don't know how many races there are or where they come from or what their intentions are. So the thing in the world that you want to do is just kind of openly send out uh, a welcome mat to God knows who, because maybe they're space Nazis. <laughs> and we don't want them rolling in. Uh, you don't want to necessarily advertise your presence or... or um, what was that? Man of Steel. In Man of Steel, you know, you got the Kryptonians uh, from a dead civilization who come back and find out that one of theirs is on Earth. They find that out because there's a signal left from his ship that sent him here. Yeah. Well, they've got an interest in our planet that is not in our best interest. Their best interest is, well, we have to terraform this planet into our planet so that we can live here. And that means getting rid of all the locals. And that's an, an extreme viewpoint, but, I mean, you can't rule that out. So I think that when Hawking was saying that, he was just exercising what I would call wise precaution. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he just says shit that to be provocative, uh, that, you know, I don't, like, who's going to necessarily disagree? It's like he kind of errs on the side of caution, as you're saying, in a sense where it's like, uh, you know, in a thousand years, he's not going to be around to (laughs) to have to account for this prediction. So it's sort of like an easy... You know, sure. he's not saying we only have 25 years to to make it or something, or five years. He's like, a thousand years. Who knows? Could be a thousand years, could be 200 years. It's like, Well, and I, I want to stress, too, uh, while I do think that the defense establishment probably tweaks its information uh, to make the entire phenomenon more hostile, that is not to say that they don't have some wise precautions in worrying about what might be out there. Of course they have to think about that kind of thing. That's what they're paid to think about. Someone does have to, and I'm glad that they do. Yeah. So, I mean, should we be trying to contact aliens? I think so. I would love I it. I think if, so too. I think I forget what show it was. May have been Rock's Giving last year, but I'd love to see a movie that I guess arrivals like that. I haven't seen it, but I haven't either. And I'm looking forward to it. I'd like to see a movie where, and like I said, I think maybe I guess someone who's seen Arrival can correct me, but a movie where like Earth is visited by a probe like we send to these other planets and shit. I guess in Arrival, it's like giant spaceships, so it's different. I'm talking a little more the kind of thing maybe you and I could film on a short, tight budget. You know what I mean? You know like what a they should make a movie out of? There, there was a, a story exactly like that, but they really should make a movie out of by Arthur C. Clarke called Rendezvous with Rama. 
And that's exactly what it's about. We encounter an alien space probe. We don't find that much out about it. I mean, we go in, we discover there's an alien race. This is one of their probes. We're able to determine, you know, a few things about them from what we define. But then the probe leaves. It's, yeah. met, it's met our solar system and it goes. That's a very thought-provoking story, really. But you can't make much of a plot out of it. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, nothing really happens except we find an alien race and they move on. Yeah. Um, okay, I think that's it for, for those. Now, in the chat room, my good friend, Red Sun Superman, uh, we may carry this one over to uh, to after the live show. Obviously, you're good to go past the hour, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's rock skimming, for God's sakes. Um, I'm here as long as, as everyone's here. All right, nice. Uh, you may regret you may regret that when I get to the we're, we're done with the traditional listener questions, but uh, your obsessed fan Joe Valleco has sent in or Joe V has sent in uh, a monstrous email, so we'll try and get to as many of those as we can. But he okay he has a problem. Um, so, but Red Sun Superman, who's a dear friend of mine, a, a very good guy, he uh, he wants a good pirate story because uh, we haven't had a good pirate story tonight. But first, uh, I had the the pleasure of of having um, Red Sun Superman come out to visit here, and we went up to America's Stonehenge in New Hampshire. I was wondering if you know anything about that, or looked at it at all, or uh, studied it or anything like that, because it's an interesting site, um, you know, for uh, odd, weird stuff. Is it an actual Stonehenge, or is it a mount? <laughs> it's a complex. Uh, it's like a prehistoric complex, they think, okay. of like... Uh, it's hard to explain, but the real the real uh, keystone to it is like a weird chamber with like uh, like little passageways and, and sort of like a little a little cubby hole that they think was for like sacrifices or ch- or channeling or or you know there's a lot of interpretations to it. So it's a complex, vast stone uh, structure of sorts um, in uh, in Salem, New Hampshire. Yeah. How similar is it to Newgrange? Uh, I don't know enough about Newgrange to say. It's nothing like Stonehenge. They only they only okay. like say that it's uh, America's Stonehenge because it's like the, you know, the oldest known Stone Age uh, artifact. Yeah, and you know something, dude. I honestly, having visited there, I don't think I've really even talked about this on the show, but we can talk about it, you know, tonight. Um, it was really I. It was discovered by some guy, like, in the 50s or something, and it, I think it's also the product of a fantastic, like, marketing campaign. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, the name oh, America's Stonehenge is, like, they have the – and I guarantee you it's fucking trademarked now. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's – and it's a little quaint, unassuming sort of patch of land in Salem, New Hampshire, but, uh, you know, you pay 15 bucks to go up into the woods and look at these these weird – this weird stone – like structures and shit that aren't really, uh, you know, they're pretty amazing, but it's like, I have no idea. There's no reason why some dedicated asshole in like the 1800s couldn't have built it. You know what I mean? So I don't necessarily know. (laughs) I don't necessarily know like that. It's, that it's like, uh, it's not as awe inspiring and and vast and and fantastic as a Stonehenge in, in a sense, you know? Well, I can give you one pointer in that. If you really want to investigate that and know how old it is, what you need to do is find out what the central structure would have looked like when it was fully intact, first off. Second off, you need to see whether it aligns with the sol- with the solstitial sun. If it was built by the ancient architects, 
then it will align with the solstice. That's pretty much a given. And that will tell you how old it is. Yeah. So that's pretty much all that's pretty much all I can tell you about that. Yeah, like I said, it's uh I, I thought it was neat, but not breathtaking. That's probably the the best way to right. put it. Of the things that I visited, uh I was kinda like, Oh, that's interesting, but I wasn't like Well what's funny, you know, a lot of people feel that way about Stonehenge when they see it. <laughs> Yeah, and it yeah. is an amazing structure. There's no question about it, especially for when it was constructed. Uh, but a lot of people are, are not that wowed by it when they see it. It just doesn't look as big as they expected it to be. When you're next to the Great Pyramid, if you're standing right next to the Great Pyramid, it doesn't look as impressive as you think it's going to because you can't really get a sense of the size and scope of it standing next to it. Yeah. You kind of either have to see it from the plateau, when then you really see how immense it is, or go inside it, and then you feel how immense it is. That's just amazing. That's a religious experience of its own. Uh, Red Sun says it did line up with the solstice, he thinks, but I can't confirm that. I have no recollection. Uh, we're if it lose... lined up with the solstice, then it is ancient. All right. Well, someone Google that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to lose the live audience, so thanks to uh, Red Sun, Superman, Kimberly Wreck, and Alec Man in the chat room. And thank you to Darren, Crystal, Dennis, Jason, Klaus, Steve, PJ, Joey, Steve, James, Chris, Stephen, <laughs> Kevin, Marco, Corey, and David for submitting questions. And I hope all three of you Steves weren't the same guy, but I'm pretty sure they weren't. But uh, thanks to all those guys for uh, guys and gals for uh, submitting questions. Much appreciated. And... Uh, We'll continue on, uh, you know, past the live show. So let me just say goodnight to uh, the chatters. And my best to our international listeners. I didn't know we had them. Uh, I, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. It's not maybe a holiday where you're at, but, you know, uh, have one for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have Scotland, Berlin, and, uh, yeah, Scotland, Germany, and an expat in China. So, and I bet you, uh, and someone in the chat room, too, he's gone now. I don't remember his name. Uh, but he was from China as well, something like the crane or something like that. So, yeah, it's crazy. People all over the world listening. It's unbelievable. Um, okay, so pirate story. You got you got a good pirate story uh, we haven't heard on the show? What well, you, let me think. You know what might be good uh, is uh, I don't know if we talked about it on here. I know Red Sun really likes it. Do you, what, what, what do you what's your what's your take on Oak Island? Have we talked about that? Our take on what? Oak Island. Oh, Oak Island. Yeah, there are so many different theories on Oak Island. Man, would that be something to crack? <laughs> mm. uh, my guess is that that was either built by the Templars or by the Elizabethans. And my, uh, I think Inigo Jones had something to do with that. Uh, they were pretty remarkable architects, and they could come up with something like that. But the Templars could have also. Uh, <clears throat> certainly, I would love to find out what's under there and, and beat that particular puzzle. Yeah. Uh, that is one tough nut to crack. It's interesting, yeah. Have you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to assume you haven't. I, I, I'm lucky enough to have been able to go to Oak Island once, but uh, you can't really like go explore it and shit. Uh, I think they it's open too it dangerous. once a year now. It's too dangerous. Well, there's a guy there too. You know, it's like uh, he's kind of an old hermit type of dude. I mean, he's not like a crazy hermit, but you know what I mean. He, he lives yeah. on he lives on Oak Island. He has to deal with fucking assholes all the time. I'm sure. So you don't want to run afoul of that guy. Sure. Um, That's understandable. 
All right. Well, we don't. Uh, yeah. Should we do any? Is there a pirate story? <laughs> I took you off base, but to Oak Island. But you don't really have any thoughts on that. Any anything new with pirates you want to mention? What about the pirate book possibility? Have you thought more about that now that you now that you have some downtime? Well, I could, and yeah, I might. That is a possibility because I do have an awful lot to say about that that connects with uh, Templars and Freemasons. I know Freemasons would love me to write that book. Uh, they bother me about that all the time. And I would think, oh, when are you going to write that book about the pirates? When are you going to write about that? When are you going to write about the Templars? Um, I might. Uh, I need to get the right kind of software really set up uh, and to do everything in proper PDF format and have all that kind of thing. I'm having to start all over again in learning how to uh, I mean, I wrote my first books on a word processor, but it wasn't the same thing. It's a little bit different now. You get the whole PDF business and all that, and I need to know how to get proper formats and all that. And I don't have anyone to show me these things. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of starting anew on a lot of this stuff. And I had the same problem getting my books back into print because I've never been in the position where I had to self-publish before. And that's what everybody does now. Yeah. Uh, even if it's a reprint, you self-publish. And I've got no uh, guide to show me what the right way to go about that is, so I don't, you know, do the wrong thing. Mm. Uh, once I figure out what the hell I'm doing, and it would help if I had some suggestions, uh, then I'll be more than happy to get those books back in the print. I would love to do that. Yeah. I mean, they're still available. You can get them, but I would like to get them back in the print. All right. Um, okay. So I was teasing you here, or teasing Joe uh, V about this. This guy's like obsessed. Uh, and I'm going to do, uh, if it's okay with you, <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't ask you this like during the program, but if it's okay with you, can I just forward, uh, we'll get, we'll do the questions anyway, or as many as we can, but can I just forward your email to him so you can elaborate more and, uh, you know, if you choose to, so. Yeah, that's, that's fine. All right. If you read the email and you're like, okay, this guy sounds like someone who may show up at my back door, just feel free to say it got lost in spam. It'll be fine. <laughs> but I, I, he's clearly a huge fan. He writes like you do. You know how you send me these long emails, and I'm like, oh, shit, I don't know. I can't write back to Bruce all this. He sends, like, these emails like this, so I think you guys would be good pen pals. He wants, okay. to, he wants to know I, – I, well, when you see the email, you'll see what I'm talking about. There's a wall of text here, so I'm just going to condense it down into an actual question. Sure. He notes that in the last year – there were two big stories about uh, possible indicators of aliens out in space. This uh, alien um, megastructure star. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. Okay, I told him. I told him in response that I'm, I was certain that Bruce did not know about the alien megastructure. But the the alien megastructure. They found a star. It's dimming. They don't understand why it's dimming. And one of the theories is that it's. Um, it's surrounded by an alien megastructure, believe it or not. Interesting. To harness the energy of the star by an advanced race. I'm probably butchering the story, but that's what a legitimate scientific uh, paper included amongst the possibilities. And I, to to give even more detail, actually, in a sense, I actually know one of the astronomers who was like the third or fourth listed name on the on the article right gotcha on the journal entry and uh he said that the the whole like hypothesis was probably like included as a way to generate interest and get it you know out of 
the journal and into the eyes of like the media and shit. You know what I mean? So it was kind that of like entirely a, possible. You know, John Brandenburg uh, came out not too long back, and he's a plasma physicist. I mean, this is this is a credential government scientist, uh, and he actually said that we can map what happened on Mars. He said there were two enormous thermonuclear explosions on Mars that destroyed it, that uh, ripped out its atmosphere and destroyed it. And you can trace exactly where they happened, and uh, it explains the exact radiation readings and exact uh, chemical and gas readings that we get. Uh, I don't know whether he's right or not, but the mere fact that he's a credentialed scientist and he's just firmly convinced that that's the only real interpretation of the data, uh, I find to be very, very interesting. Now, putting that information out there, we have some scientists now talking about this alien megastructure. We've got John Brandenburg talking about Mars being destroyed by two enormous thermonuclear explosions that were quite deliberate. Uh, when you have credentialed scientists coming out and saying things like this, it's harder to dismiss. But I do think that there is a substantial part of the intelligence community that would like to talk about this stuff and would like to start getting it into the public mind a lot more than it is. This is not a bad way for them to start because they can always backpedal later. Yeah. <laughs> they always say, well, you know, this guy was wrong, you misinterpreted this, or well, he didn't really know what he was talking about. There are always ways that you can backpedal. But when you do have credential scientists coming out and at least making the proposition and showing what it is they have, that's an excellent way to, to start feeding it a, a little more into the public mind uh, and give it some uh, some credence. Yeah. All right. Well, his that, that first question is even more complex, but I think I think what we cover there is uh, sufficient, um, and you, you you and him can connect on that one um, because there's eight of these. <laughs> so, do you think uh, yeah. reports of exoplanets get more traction uh, than other uh, than the you know the previous stories that he mentioned? He also mentioned like a, a wow signal uh, that was disproven uh, regarding possible indicators of intelligent life. He's essentially asking. Um, you know, if, if, if like the tease of, uh, how there's so many exoplanets is to sort of like, um, condition people in the sense where it's like, there's tons of planets out there. There's, they're far enough away where they can't hurt us. And one of them might have aliens. You know what I mean? They're kind of like, we're, we're sort of it's taking the a same step thing. in the right it's direction. It's like getting yeah. people to think about it without, without worrying them. Yeah. I think that's kind of deliberate. I agree. I think yeah. so. Cause it there's was like, been a tremendous thrust. Uh, during the, especially the latter half of the Obama administration, toward getting us back into the space race, uh, only using Mars instead of the moon. That's the new thing, and there's been a real push for that. You see a lot of science fiction popping up on TV uh, and in The Martian in the movies. Yeah. Um, no, going to Mars really... is definitely, like, you can tell it's, if we, we talk about sort of like the media conditioning us to things, it's like there's definitely a conditioning process at work here that like we have to go to fucking mars yes you know uh and it's identical to the one that we had during the kennedy administration with the moon mm -hmm. so that i do i see a definite thrust we're, we're trying to push for nasa push for space exploration uh, a lot of that is to benefit the defense industry because that's one that profit most from all of that yeah but um th there has been a definite thrust toward toward pushing the public consciousness uh into supporting that um that endeavor. Now, that is something that I've very definitely noticed and it's worth commenting on. 
All right. Uh, going back to your thesis behind Architects of the Underworld, this is an interesting one that I, I told him. Uh, I gave him shit and said I would only read like three of them, but I'll, I'll try and get through all of them. Um, and this one I thought really stood out as one that I was like, oh, that's an interesting uh, question. Based on your thesis uh, behind under Architects of the Underworld, when do you speculate was the last time humanity had contact with its progenitor race? That is a very good question. I agree, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I'm reasonably certain that there has been some kind of contact behind the scenes between whatever alien race or races are out there and various world governments. What the extent of that contact has been, I couldn't say. And that's the kind of thing that only the presidents and the various rulers would know themselves. Okay, so you're saying it didn't stop like in ancient times. Right. I don't think it fully stops in ancient times. I do believe there's been some kind of ongoing communication, and I do believe that probably that has extended to world governments today, at least to some extent. What that extent is and how much communication has taken place, I have no way of knowing. But I would be kind of surprised if there had not been. Well, here's an interesting observation in a sense. It's like the the whole lore of the ancient aliens and the UFO lore is like that the they were there back in the day, right? They were there at the beginning, and now right. now they're here. Okay, they're back. Uh, well, that's the thing. Are they back, or have they been here Maybe all they along? Never left. Yeah, but the question. Yeah. But, but when you think about it, though, it's like I wonder if there's some kind of like mental bias at work or something like that. Because there's part of me that's like, okay, let's like journey back to like the Renaissance. Was were there really like secret meetings between the Queen of England during the Renaissance and aliens? Like to me, that seems unfathomable. Like so, maybe so did they did they come back? Did they? I think they came back, but I don't know. Or or maybe they made themselves more overt. But go on. I'm sorry. Go on. Well, using Elizabethan England for an example, which is a good one. Uh, John D, the original 007. I mean, his yeah. actual recognition numbers were 007, uh, and he was you know one of the chief guys in their spy network, which was outstanding. Uh, he claimed to have had communication with the Enochian angels, quote unquote. And, uh, I mean, his, his Enochian alphabet is basically really just uh, a logarithmic table because uh, at the time it was considered sorcery to practice advanced mathematics. You can get burned at the stake for it. So I think he was just concealing a lot of um, mathematics in some of that. But he did claim that he had communication with, you know, the ethereal spirit, spirits of the air, uh, the Enochian beings. He may have been referring to communication with someone from out there. Yeah. Uh, that is a possibility. I wouldn't rule it out. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not necessarily saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like maybe in the interim, these things were, even though we've shit all over it this evening, uh, maybe these things, excuse me, were 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 managed via channeling or something like that, or or even like surreptitious sort of encounters, but it's like that, maybe, or, that, that maybe people possible. thought were like aliens and, I mean, not aliens, uh, angels and demons and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it seems right. like, only now are are they on the same page as us or something like that. Well, I, mean, I guess back in the day we thought they were gods, so now we think they're aliens, but it's yeah. like... Yeah, we went from thinking they were gods to fairies, uh, yeah. angels, demons, whatever word you want to use. Right. And yeah, I think in most of those instances, not all of them necessarily, but I think in most of those instances we're referring to exactly the same phenomenon, exactly the same people, Right. simply in uh, the expressions of the time what they recognized as being real. Hmm. 
Exactly. Uh, now we now we say, well, we don't believe in demons necessarily, but we do believe that there are people out there. Uh, we believe in other planets and life in other planets, and that they could be visiting us. That yeah. seems more credible. So it, it's easy to go back over the historical record. And Jacques Vallée said the same thing. He said they're describing the same phenomenon. They're just describing it in the language of their time. Okay, now the next question, this one's like, oh, man. He, he says, he's got another architect's question for you. Uh, he, he says in the book, you argue that Thoth is identifiable with the God of the Old Testament and New Testament, and you present the literary affinities between them. Now, I should yeah. note that Joe V. is a theologian, so this is his, his okay. real host. If you had to hazard a guess, would you say the ancient authors are deliberately going back to similar concepts that left their impression on humanity, or do you think there was some form of subsequent contact or communication that made the concept found in Thoth, Yahweh, or the Logos attain relevance in different cultural eras? This is so out of my fucking depth. I'm just going to turn it over to no, you. No, I know, I know exactly what he's talking about. All right, all right, go ahead. I believe I know exactly what he's talking about. If I'm misinterpreting this, I apologize. Don't believe that everything began and ended with Yahweh. I do believe that uh, Yahweh, under any number of other different names, Thoth, Yahweh, whatever name you want to use, Manan and Leclerc, whatever name you want to use, I do believe that that same intelligence contacted any number of different civilizations all around the world at different times. And even in the New Testament, you can find backing for that when Jesus departed the planet and he said, I have other, uh, I have other flocks to tend to, I have other people to preach to, I have other places to go. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that, yes, he did. He traveled around the world at various times and various places. He may not have been the same guy, but, you know, it was a guy from the same race <laughs> and doing the same things. Mm. And, yes, I believe that who we would describe as Jesus uh, has existed in, in numerous cultures around the world. And many of those can be named, and I do go into detail about them in Architects. I believe that was the same intelligence. There may have been some changes in the regime between some of those contacts. For instance, uh, in the Aztecs, uh, Quetzalcoatl was a completely benevolent god, but he was ousted by three very malevolent gods who uh, initiated the human sacrifices and uh, basically enslaved uh, Quetzalcoatl's people. And Quetzalcoatl vowed he would return. And that's why Montezuma was so terrified when in the year of one read when it been prophesied that, that the Spaniards came in. Because uh, Quetzalcoatl was a white-bearded guy, and uh, he knew that it was his end. He actually believed that. And lo and behold, look what happened. So whether they were the actual prophesied return gods, that's anybody's guess. I couldn't tell you. But I do believe that there was uh, a Quetzalcoatl, uh, that he was the Jesus figure there, that he taught them the same thing that was taught to everyone in the New Testament, which was a continuation of what was taught in the Old Testament, a clarification. Uh, and, yeah, I believe that the, that race did travel around the world, did leave their footprints, did leave their handiwork. And uh, the mere fact that the Aztecs uh, were taken over by another tribe is one of those indications of why we kind of have to be careful of who it is we're contacting out there. Because not all of them are necessarily, necessarily benevolent. All right. Now, from that complex question, he just asks, X-Files Revival, what did you think of it? Wow, what happened? <laughs> I didn't even know this again, another one out of my depth. I didn't I don't know anything about this, so just uh I thought it was nuts. Uh, yeah. I I didn't see all of them. I saw most of them. 
uh, I thought that his whole new conspiracy angle, it, it was coming straight out of the weird uh, furthest far right-wing conspiracy uh, theory things and really made no sense at all. And it really didn't connect with the original series, I didn't think. If you really want an answer to that question, uh, I'll tell you who you need to talk to. Uh, you need to talk to Chris Knowles over at the Secret Sun because yeah, that guy yeah. knows flipping everything about the X-Files. And it, if you want to talk about that, you really should be contacting him. Yeah, he literally wrote the book earful. on it. Yeah. He literally wrote the book on it. He'll give you an earful. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. I don't even like the X-Files, so I didn't get into it. So, uh, Any thoughts on Ridley Scott getting back into the Alien franchise with the pending release of Alien Covenant? He thought Prometheus was a wandering mess, but this one has some promise. Uh, Prometheus was kind of a wandering mess. It is not a bad movie. I had problems with it, which is not to say that it wasn't a fantastic movie. I, I really did like it, and I go back and watch it every now and then. Um, I think he needs to continue with that and clarify it a little bit better. The real problem with Prometheus was that it was just an unfinished movie. It was the launching of a franchise, and in that sense it was enormously successful, and it raised a whole lot of very interesting questions, which are the exact same questions that I talk about in Architects. Yeah. We are on very much the same page on all of that. And again, back to that bit that, you know, if we contact the creators, that doesn't necessarily mean that they still love us or want us around. <laughs> we don't know that. Uh, it's something just to be aware of. <laughs> right. Exactly. Any, anytime Ridley Scott gets involved in the alien thing, I'm happy. I, I want to see more from him. Uh, all right. Now, the uh, penultimate question, Joe says, uh, he doesn't know if this has ever been explored on the show before. Uh, but what is your perspective on other paranormal phenomena and the supernatural in general? Do you think it has some veracity? And do you see them as being totally distinct from the UFO phenomenon? Uh, that is a, a bit too loose. I can give you some general observations, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, I mean, that's a really, like, that's that's the kind of thing that we could do two hours on, honestly. Right. Uh, as I was saying earlier, I do believe in God, and I do believe that the Egyptians had some genuine mystical insights that uh, have kind of gotten lost over the years for most of us. Uh, I do believe that there's a spirit realm, if you want to call it that, uh, a psychic realm. I'm not sure exactly how to define it. And it, it, it this it's too loose a question. Um, is that connected to aliens? Only in the sense that aliens as I perceive them, are human beings just like ourselves and are subject to the same kind of phenomena. Uh, so, yeah, I do believe that there's something to that, but I'd, I'd need to have some far more specific areas to address. If, if right, you right. You can just say generally paranormal phenomena, but it's like, yeah. Do I believe paranormal phenomena exist? Absolutely. They're paranormal because we don't know what they are. We can't define them yet. Right. They are phenomena. We, there are some things that we can observe but can't explain. That doesn't mean they don't have an explanation. It just means we haven't found it yet. And eventually we won't. It'll happen. Exactly. And uh, now the final question of the night, and the, uh, as he says, most important of the night, and I am in total agreement, Colorado Beer. He says he's had the good fortune of coming across, come, ah, coming across some liquor stores here in the Northeast that have some Colorado brews in stock. Uh, he says they get him to veer away from the usual ales. He recently tried Breckenridge Brewery's Vanilla Bean Porter with a very subtle hint of vanilla at the end. And it goes down super smooth, he says. And uh, when you're after a local brew, he wants to know, what are some of the ones you would pick up that you would recommend? 
I'm going to give you a three. I'm going to give you my three favorites. All right. The one I'm drinking right now is from Great Divide. It's called Claymore Scotch Ale. It is not for the faint-hearted. This stuff is potent. <laughs> the most potent beer I've ever had. Uh, it'll give me a hell of a buzz. I drank it too slow to get into a real buzz, but I guess that kept me coherent, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, one of those things will knock me for a loop for about an hour. I never plan on driving anywhere if I'm going to have a Claymore. Um, the Dry Dock Wee Heavy is outstanding. I have trouble finding it. It's excellent. just delicious. I'm a guy who likes dark lagers. Okay. That's just a delicious dark lager. And another one is from the Grimm Brothers uh, called Midnight Strikes, which is unfortunately a seasonal one, but I believe they're, they're putting it out again any time now. It's been out for a while. I mean, it hasn't been on the shelves for a while. But uh, my housemates actually visited the Grimm Brothers. Uh, their, their whole microbrewery is the size of my kitchen and living room. All right? Oh, wow, really? just a couple of guys. And they make the best damn beer. It's <laughs> really good. We buy their stuff all the time. My favorite is the Midnight Strike, personally. Three that right off the top of my head I would recommend. All right. Very nice. I think that covers it. He says, uh, to wrap up his email, uh, he says, thank you for uh, joining us again on Ruxgiving. You're always a fascinating listen or read. You are, if I may be so bold, the last interesting man in the whole damn paranormal world. So that's a pretty good... Uh, Bless you for saying so. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is my pleasure uh, to do this every year. I very much enjoy doing it. Uh, I, I kind of scratch my head that there are so many people that are interested in hearing from me, but I'm certainly glad, and uh, I'm more than happy to spend time with all of you. Yeah, dude, it's always a blessing, man. I really do, uh, you know. I, it, it's funny that people were concerned that you thought it might not happen. There was never a shadow of a doubt in my mind we were going to do this. It was just, uh, it, I don't know what happened with uh, Thanksgiving this year. It's like snuck up on me. I think it snuck up on a lot of people. Everyone was so wrapped up in the election. By the time the election was over, it's like, wait a minute, Thanksgiving is in two weeks? It was the election. Yeah. yeah I could, it, it's just straight up. It was the election. Like, I knew that we would do something. It, I figured even if it wasn't happening right before Thanksgiving, it might happen after. But I, I wasn't afraid it wasn't going to happen. I just thought it might be on delay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that was... Yeah, like I said, that, I mean, it, it, it entirely could have happened, but I have a tremendous OCD on some things, and this was the kind of thing, like I said, I, I, I couldn't... You know, after I get off the phone with you, it's like I'm going to go fetch my my Santa hat out of storage. Because it's time to get ready for the holiday, uh, the holiday season. You know, this kicks off the give, holiday give my season. Best, so. Definitely give my best to Santa Treat. Oh, I absolutely will. I absolutely will, man. So what do you Grand what old you man in the field. On he's tap. a grand old man in the field. I'm very glad he's still around. Oh, absolutely. He's a legend, man. He's uh, I, I love the guy. I really do. He's the absolute best. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, my... The, the listeners say it, but it's like, dude, my... For the last 12 years, I've been talking to Stan on on the holiday uh, special, and I think, I don't know what year it is with you, but it's got to be like our fifth or sixth year doing this. So, I mean, these are these are part of my holiday traditions. Never no, mind the listeners. It's like, you know, for me, it's like I get the cool extra part of, like, getting to call Stan, like, on Black Friday and be like, it's that time of year again, Stan. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to this as much as all the rest of you do, I'm sure. Yeah. And probably more so. This is the only time of year that anyone knows who I am. And what I like about interviewing you is, uh, or doing these shows is, it's like so laid back that I never have to worry really about, you know, doing a good job because it's like, we're just chatting, hey, man. Man. you know what I mean? So no, we're just hanging out on the porch. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> like if people were hanging out with us right now, they'd be hearing the same thing. So, and and like I said, it's it's a really it's a pretty crazy, amazing thing that like people are, you know, that, that this this is a part of their holiday. It's pretty like wow, thanks, thank you, folks, thank you. You know, like it, I'm so humbled. Well, from the source, uh, I definitely thank all of you too because it's it obviously part of my holidays too. So, what are you doing for the holiday? Anything exciting? I am going to try and get the last championship that I don't have in uh, Injustice Gods Among Us, DC fighting game. Yeah, you wanted to throw down with, uh, you said that, I asked if you fight anyone online uh, in this game, and you said... Uh, I only know one other guy who plays, you know, locally, and I don't know how to put up, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> I don't know how to get in touch with uh, the other fighters, or I would gladly do so, I love doing it. Do you have a name, like that, like a username that people could search you out if they play? What's the name of the game? The name of the game is Injustice Gods Among Us, the DC fighting game. Okay. My What's... username is my username is Suveradon. You won't have any trouble finding it because it's on the top of all the uh, leaderboards. All right. How do you spell S- it? S-U-V-R-A-D-A-N. All right. Suveradon. So if you play that game, folks, find Bruce Rucks. You're at the top of the leaderboards. Jesus. Yes, I am. I'm on 90% of the leaderboards. There's no other fighter in the world that has that many. The closest competitor has is on 70% of the leaderboards. I've got 60% of the first-place scores, 20% of the second-place scores, uh, one world-class, six, uh, one world's finest sixth place, which is the one I'm trying to make a championship, and uh, one world-class 16th place in the classic battle. Wow. There's nobody who's got a record anywhere close to mine. All right. Well, if you think you can hang with Bruce Rocks, folks, go, go. What is this on? What what system? Uh, PlayStation Four. Oh, okay. I believe Xbox has it too, but it's uh, PlayStation Four. All right. Cool. Have you? Uh, are you going to watch anything? Or you're just going to be diving into this thing. As a matter of fact, uh, the guy that brought up the DC animated stuff, I'm planning on watching some uh, DC cartoons. Just like three of them. I'll watch Suicide Squad again. I'm going to watch. Um, Probably Justice League versus Teen Titans again. Uh, I want to go through some of my old uh, DC superhero cartoons. I'm just in the mood for it. Largely because of the fighting game, actually, because I use a lot of these characters. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be uh, doing my annual tradition of uh, watching whatever the big summer movies were for comedies. I don't like. I really don't like action movies. I'm really a diehard comedy fan, TV and uh, movies. I have, the, I have the new Ghostbusters on my list to come. It's I just was just going to say, I think I, I'm thinking about, you know, with the holiday weekend, weekend and all that, you know, you get about four days there. So I, get, I usually watch about three or four of the biggest movies from the summer comedies. So I'll be, I want to see the, uh, the wedding dates one, Mike and Dave or something need wedding dates. That looks funny. And uh, there weren't any really big standout comedies. And I do want to watch the Ghostbusters movie because I love the original. Who doesn't? And, uh, I, I, I I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not like a hater of the new one, so I'm willing to give it a chance. It's like, yeah, I'm ironically enough, it's like my Donald Trump of, of movies. It's like, yeah, let's, I'm let's see what they do with it. And if I come out of it going, oh, that was terrible, then, you know, I, I'm giving it a fair shake. I like all there the women go. in it, too. I, I'm not, you know, all this shit about, oh, they made the Ghostbusters ladies. All three of those women are fucking really funny. So I I can't imagine how they'd fuck that up, but apparently they did. I don't know. That's what they said. Well, I'm going to give them a chance. Yeah. Uh, I I tend to go for the comedies. Uh, I tend to go for comedies and cartoons on the holidays. 
Uh, if there was a new Scooby-Doo out, I'd be grabbing that. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, you love those Scooby-Doo movies. I love Scooby-Doo. Did you watch the Scooby-Doo? We, we are way one? back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of them. I, I fucking love all of them. Whenever I find one that I've missed, I snap it up. Uh, I, Scooby-Doo and I go all the way back to the very beginning. I was there the very first Saturday morning when he premiered, and I've been with him since. Nice, nice. Well, you and Red Sun Superman would be like best buddies because he's a huge, uh, he's a he's a diehard Scooby Doo fan. So, oh, wait a minute, I'm thinking of Peanuts. He's a diehard Peanuts fan. I apologize. Sorry, that's Peanuts the kind of thing that, that would get me a nasty email from Red Sun Superman. Uh, oh man, Peanuts is good too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know what. Aside from that, I'm just gonna try and relax and enjoy the uh, enjoy the downtime. You know, it should be nice. Me too. It's a nice time of year. It's a great time uh, of year. It really is. Yes. I've got really, friends really around is. me. I, uh, my family's in touch with me. I've got friends around me. Uh, we're going to have a nice Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I'll probably have some cranberry sauce. There you go. Uh, I'll definitely have some applesauce and uh, all kinds of dressing and turkey and gravy and oh, really yeah. for, and yams. If we don't have yams, I'm going to be very unhappy. There you go. Yeah. It's great. It's it's a really a fantastic time of year. It really is. Uh, and I love it. And like I said, now, after I get off the phone with you, it's like, Thanksgiving's here, motherfucker. You know? This is it, <laughs> baby. This is the holiday. It's holiday season has begun. Ruxgiving kicks it off like a pirate's uh, cannonball shot. So There I, you go. I can't thank you enough, man. I love you. You know that. I consider you one of my best friends in this field. I don't talk to you enough, and I really I feel bad about that, and I say that every year, so I've got to keep in better touch with you. Um, I'm always here, man. Well, it's my fault, too. I should, I should be getting more in touch with you. Yeah, well, we'll work on it this year. We'll work on it. We'll this work year. on it this year. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to get you out to Boston sometime, uh, if it's possible. So maybe, uh, maybe in the future. I would love to come out to Boston. I'd love to have you, man. I hosted like six different people who came out to the house uh, over the summer and the last few months. So you're always welcome if you can find the time and and the funds to make the trip. You get a place to stay. You know that. Outstanding. Um, yeah. Uh, well, all right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. I don't want to do a whole monologue here at the end of the show for the listeners who who fucking can't stand me because I haven't done a show in ages. Um, we're going to do Get the whole break, guys. Yeah, yeah. Give him yeah. a break. He's a busy guy. Yeah. So we'll we'll do. There's going to be a holiday special, of course. I'm going to be in touch with Stan soon. I'm working out the final details of the. Uh, of, of the beginning of season 10, so hopefully we'll get that rolling soon. Um, you know, hang in there. It's good. I mean, I wanted to kick off season 10 before the election. I think we would have looked like assholes anyway. So now we can address all this uh, with the with the ability of hindsight being 2020 and, and, and sort of look ahead to where things are going in a more honest fashion rather than sort of, you know, uh, speculating on the horse race back at the end of October and early November. So I think personally it worked out well for us. And so season 10, you know, probably in January, you know, honestly. But uh, for now, definitely the holiday special. Stay tuned to Banal of America, uh, the website, Banal of America on Facebook. That's where you can get all the information on uh, those shows and uh, updates on what the hell's going on with the show. And uh, that's about it. So, Thank you so much, Bruce. Have an awesome holiday, and uh, I'll be in touch before next year's Ruxgiving, I promise, pal. Absolutely. All of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm very glad I could share it with you, and it's always a pleasure, Tim. Oh, man, I love it. I really do. It's uh, one of my favorite nights of the year, so thank you so much for being a part of it again, and uh, 
Good night to you, Bruce, and good night to all the listeners. Thank you so much for listening, and have a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday from Banal of America, Bruce Rucks, and uh, all of us here at BOA. So, happy Thanksgiving! <laughs>